Well, apologies. We're going to do an early start this morning here on Glenn Clark Radio, but we will always reconfigure our schedule when we have an opportunity to chat with this man. He is, of course, one of the greatest players in baseball history. He is the Hall of Famer. He is Cal Ripken Jr., and he is with us now here on GCR. Cal, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It is always great to catch up with you, sir. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Yeah, good, good morning. Always happy to, uh, to look back because that's all I have now. <laughs> oh, stop. you got lots going on in your life. Who are you kidding? Well, yeah, of course, we're going to talk about the 30th anniversary of the first season at Camden Yards. If I could quickly before that, it's a huge week up in Aberdeen. It's It's got to be wild to you, you know, as a kid from Aberdeen, that right now that little town in Hartford County is sort of like the center of the baseball universe at the moment, right? It's... Well, we like to claim that, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's always true or not. But, uh, yeah, some exciting things are happening up in Aberdeen. Um, you know, the kids' uh, kids tournaments and uh, being around uh, those guys. I always said we have that beautiful warehouse-like building that's a hotel. It's a Marriott, and uh, every once in a while, uh, it'll get late in the day. I'll stay up there. And then waking up to see the kids coming out in the field is a pretty cool uh pretty cool use of that space so uh yeah we get excited about baseball up there and obviously adley rutschman being with the Ironbirds this week which is a really really cool thing cal you know you yeah, I almost almost uh, uh neglected to talk about <laughs> the Ironbirds, but uh <laughs> yeah. it's almost like a community uh take for granted i guess is that uh the community really loves the Ironbirds. uh you know we went to a to a, a longer season where the yep. uh, ia for the orioles now which you have uh uh, many more dates in which the fans can cover the ballpark, and, that, and, and people seem to be very happy uh, with that change. All right, Cal, the 30th anniversary of the first season at Camden Yards. i got to address something, because we were chatting with Rick Sutcliffe a couple weeks back, and uh-huh. he says that you and he are the only two people that own a certain piece of memorabilia. Do you know what it is that he's referring to? No. It's a, okay. You, I know you and I have talked about a lot of memorabilia over the years. He says there's a certain picture of the field, and it's only you and he, and you both have it autographed. Is that, does that ring a bell at all? Um, that's, that's quite possible, but um, is it when we got ready to take the field? That's, uh, everyone stand on the top step of the that's, that's the one. Exactly right. Right. So uh, I don't know how – did he arrange for the photographer? Did he – uh, I don't know how how it is a unique piece of uh, memorabilia, though, unless unless uh, you know there are the only two copies. That that's what he said, suggested is that you and he had the only two copies that were autographed. That 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 was what was the big deal. Of course, it could be that this is thirty years later, Cal. There could be a lot of fuzzy memories involved with some of these uh, having, things. Having gone through a lot of my stuff uh, in boxes uh, during this COVID time. Um, you know, anything can happen. You look back, and my memory sometimes is really clear. I can go right back to this spot that something happened. But some things I look at and I go, what is this? Where is this from? <laughs> <laughs> what, what were your first memories of, of seeing the park, of walking out, of realizing this was home now? What were the first things that jumped out at you? Um, well, I mean, I got over the sadness of uh, losing Memorial Stadium. Because, uh, you know, for me growing up as a kid, watching the Orioles in their, in their really successful years and seeing Brooks Robinson uh, make those plays and seeing him jump in the air when they celebrated the, uh, the World Series win, um, I, I kept thinking that this is sacred ground and why in the world do we have to make this go away? 
But I will tell you, the first step that you take into Camden Yards, my first impression was, you know, uh, let's move on from Memorial Stadium. This is the best thing I've ever seen. And it's kind of cool because you're worried about losing the history of baseball or the Oriole baseball. Um, but it almost felt like baseball had been played there before, you know, in uh, Camden Yards. And it was just a, a wonderful design, a wonderful feel. And uh, we, I immediately forgot about Memorial Stadium, one step into Camden Yards. Cal Ripken is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Cal, you, say, it, it, you knew immediately. You knew, because I think what you alluded to, a lot of people have forgotten about, which was most of the city didn't want a new ballpark. It was not very popular to replace Memorial Stadium. But you, it did not take you long to realize just how special this place was going to be. No, I mean, uh, I think the first first really feeling there was uh, the MVP award uh, um, was presented to me right. in sort of a little ceremony in Camden Yards. And the ballpark was finished, but, you know, there still had some tweaks to be made. I guess it was around... November, um, you know, in that, uh, in that for that first year. But when you walk in, you just had this this feeling that uh, that uh, you know this structure had uh, had had a, a couple of decades worth of baseball already. It just felt like uh, this was a baseball place. And many of the stadiums that we saw built, you know, before Camden Yards, were more the multi-purpose ones, uh, transformational from football to uh, to baseball. Uh, but this one really was a baseball park, and you really felt that first first second you walked into it. Did you know how it was going to change the game of baseball at that point? Did you did you realize like this is what stadiums are going to be moving forward, or you know, was it hard to have that type of context at that point? No, at that time it was very difficult. It was uh, that we had a really special place, and yep. nobody else really did. And then everybody uh, tended to copy. The, uh, the ideas and uh, the, uh, the feeling that Camden Yards gave the ballpark. The, the ballpark that was built right before that was, uh, it changed from the old Comiskey to the new mm-hmm. Comiskey. And that one was, uh, you know, um, you know, it was a nice stadium, but it felt a little sterile. It felt a little cold. It felt open. Uh, it didn't feel like uh, an intimate space where a baseball game should be played. And so when Camden Yards came in, I think everybody immediately uh, felt that when they came to the ballpark and they started thinking, and at least in a design way, that, uh, that, that they wanted to capture the spirit that, uh, that Camden Yards captured. Can you explain why it's held up, Cal? I mean, like, is, is, you know, we've seen, as you mentioned, n- newer ballparks have come and gone, right, in Texas and Atlanta, places like that. Can you explain why it is that Oriole Park still feels as new today as it did in 1992? Well, I mean, uh, first of all, uh, they take great care of it, uh, the ballpark. And, uh, you know, the the field is always in immaculate condition. So, I mean, uh, there's great pride in taking care of that ballpark, number one, from all all who has a hand in that. Um, I I would say that the warehouse, the renovation of the warehouse, Really, really made that uh, special. I know that there weren't plans at first. They were going to knock down the, right. uh, the big warehouse, and they preserved that and designed around it. And I think that element uh, by itself, and, and redoing the inside of that building, you know, making it really nice. Um, that was the key part of that because uh, you know everybody walks in and says it's a bandbox. I personally thought during my time it played very fair. Um, some pitchers. You know, might say that uh, you know it was short, the ball was flying out of there. But um, I don't think you know we our team was built for home runs, and so when you look at how many home runs were hitting that ballpark, it was probably due to uh, our team 
contributed uh, mostly to the home runs. But uh, when the visitors came in, it had this intimacy at first because the, the warehouse was so uh, enormous that it felt like the playing field was smaller. But in fact, I don't believe that to be true. Now, since they put the hotel out there in left, left uh, center field, I think maybe the wind currents have changed a little bit. I suspect they have. And uh, because sometimes the ball wouldn't carry at all to left, the left center field because the wind would come in. And other times it would circle around and push it out and catapult the ball out, out that maybe you didn't quite get. But uh, I think overall it, it still plays really fair. And uh, it just feels like it's a small, intimate, intimate space. You roped uh, quite a few. Huh? We're talking with Cal Ripken Jr. I'm sure you guys are aware just by hearing his voice. Um, you, you roped quite a few home runs to left field. What was your reaction when you heard about the plan to move the fences back? Um, well, it's interesting. Mike Elias called me up uh, and said, you know, uh, he just wants to give me a heads up that the, the seat that the home run landed in, you know, the broke the shortstop mm-hmm. home run record, um, was going to be moved to another part of the stadium. And I kind of laughed to myself. I'm going, what? That really doesn't matter to me. You know, I appreciate the, uh, you know, the uh, um, indicating that that's where it happened. And, and it kind of that moment lives a little bit longer as a result of that. But, uh, you know, I wasn't sure how it was going to work out. And I was over there doing an interview in uh, Camden Yards one time uh, recently. And I looked out and I saw, before opening day, I saw the, uh, the fence. It looks like it's uh, designed in there pretty well. Um, it's interesting. I don't know how it will play, how it will feel like it plays, because if you remember one year, we moved uh, home plate back mm-hmm. by, I don't know, 10, 10 feet or so, which made uh, center field and uh, the bullpen area uh, a lot harder to get to. And then uh, after maybe one year, they decided to change it back because it, uh, it changed the way the, the ballpark played you know, maybe in a negative sort of way. So I hope it doesn't become, uh, you know, um, negative that uh, the home run is uh, unreachable. I always thought the Memorial Stadium, you know, was favorable down the lines, of course. It was only 309 down the lines. And you could hit a line drive down the line that was hooking foul, but because it was only 309, it would stay fair. Mm -hmm. Um, If you go to Camden Yards and it was 333, you hook a ball down the line, and you think it's got a chance, but then it, it has more distance to, to, to pull foul. So, you know, I just hope that it, it plays uh, fair. All the ballparks that had these big fences, uh, and maybe Camden Yards will be considered a big uh, big fence, but think of Detroit's ballpark when it first came in. You know, they ended up moving the fences uh, in, uh, in, in Detroit. Um, and so there's so many cases. Yankee Stadium had the big cavernous uh, left center field, and they moved that back in, you know, to a more reachable level. So... I hope it doesn't play, you know, like uh, the Grand Canyon. I hope it. Uh, I hope it's fair for uh, for all hitters and pitchers. We've heard the argument that uh, the home run robbery is something that will be missed, right? It's just such a a fun part of the game, and obviously, it's not possible now with the wall being the height that it is in left field. Do you feel like that there's a detriment there that just for the excitement of baseball, it's nice. We're not saying that we're going to have Mike Devereaux any longer out there to jump up and and bring balls right. back, but you know, like that, that, that's something that's good for the entertainment value of the sport that could be missed with having a taller wall. I always advocated, uh, you know, you like, you like to, to have the fans closer, and uh, I like the uh, idea of uh, robbing a home run or someone get, using their athleticism to go up on the wall. It does create a degree of excitement. So uh, 
Um, but if you look at uh, a place like Fenway Park, you know, they had the uh, big green monster. Like, that gives a different entertainment value, that the ball hits off of that. It could carry them in many different directions. I don't know if they still had the ladders that were outside of the wall out there. They probably took those down. But uh, it, it provided a, a uniqueness. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe this wall in left field will, will provide a uniqueness that, uh, that turns out to be really good. All right, just another couple minutes with Cal Ripken here on Glenn Clark Radio. Cal, I got to ask you, there's all these, you know, everybody goes to you when these big baseball topics come up because you're like the godfather of baseball. So we're going to run by the shift. Um, it's going to be gone. It's disappearing from the game. And the shift wasn't really a part of the game for a long time when you played. Um, what do you make of the idea that, that hitters just never really adapted to it and for the health of the sport, maybe it's better that it doesn't exist? So, um I missed out on this. Is this a new rule? It's going to be coming to baseball, yes. Uh, for sure. Yeah, it's it, they, it was part of the CBA. They agreed to it. It's not in for this season, but it'll go in in the future. And, and so they'll outlaw the shift. I mean, I don't understand the logic of that. I mean, I think you should be able to, as someone that positioned themselves at shortstop and tried to, to have an advantage of knowing where the ball was going to be hit and where what grounds I need to cover, I think the players should be able to play anywhere they want in between the white lines. So I don't, uh, and I don't think that it's proved to be overly effective. You know, I think uh, trends happen in baseball and all of a sudden this thing happens and everybody copies it. And then they uh, use the, the value of uh, analytics to, to say they prove it. But I think it's very difficult to prove that it's not giving up as many hits as it's taken away. Um, but I would agree with you, the hitters have not evolved at all to the uh, to, to the ship. They're thinking, okay, I'm not going to change my swing, and, and and the all or nothing sort of swing, going mm-hmm. for home runs and striking out striking out 150 times a year, 200 times a year. Um, that that philosophy uh, seems to have grabbed hold to a lot of organizations. But I think baseball, as it's done over its history, it'll start to go back to. You'll see some more hit and runs. You'll see some more. Um, uh, Sacrifice bunts in games that uh, yep. that uh, because it is about the execution and when you have tough pitching, you got to find ways to create runs um, absent the home run. So I think that'll come back a little bit, but I am a little disappointed that they made that a rule. Cal, it's I, I struggle with admittedly because I'm I'm sort of with you, which is you know you, you know where the players are, try to hit it a different place. But what you just brought up when I grew up watching this sport, the excitement, the action of baseball, that it wasn't just guys standing up there and trying to swing for the fences every time. I, I hate the idea that you have to bring that back artificially, but selfishly, I, I kind of want that part of baseball back. So maybe it's a temporary thing. Maybe they uh, this is a reaction that will bring the game back to, uh, to how it used to be played. I see, when you watch the World Series, you watch the playoffs now, I see a more um, aggressive attempt to, uh, to bunt a guy over or to, uh, to send a guy in motion or to hit and run, or just teams that are having success now have cut down on their strikeouts a lot. Um, you know, the, the teams that you look at, I think the Dodgers are down in their strikeouts. The uh, Houston, I think, had the most strikeouts at one point, and then they had the least, or they shifted the most, and now they shift the least. Mm-hmm. So I think all those trends uh, prove out, you know, when you're, when you're playing the game. Um, but and maybe this is the impetus that uh, that is required to make uh, people think about the game and, and and see the value in those other ways, 
score runs as opposed to just swinging for the fences. Do you, do you like the action that comes in the extra inning rule? Do you, I, I have to admit to you, Cal, again, I didn't like it at first, but after seeing it and seeing all the action in the extra innings, I, I can't go back to the old way. I, I This is baseball to me. I love it. It's... Well, here's my opinion on that. Um, you're, you're, you're gifted a guy on second base. Yep. Um, and uh, in my, my way of thinking, when, when the season or the playoffs can boil down to one game, and there's many, many, many examples at the end of the year, is after 162, one game separates someone that makes the playoffs and one game doesn't. You know, you, you, to me, you want to earn your, each one of your wins. So I think you need to earn the guy on second base. You can't be gifted. You know, the, the team then all of a sudden can uh, can butt a guy over and then uh, hit a short, shallow sacrifice fly and there's a close play at the plate and the guy scores, and then you get three outs and you win the game. Um, I'd like to see them earn earn their base runners and uh, and earn that win a little bit more than, uh, than have some sort of artificial, uh, I guess it's called a ghost runner that you yeah. put on second base to – to cause the game to uh, to get over faster, I think. All right, I, I, you're Cal Ripken and I'm not, so I want to make this very clear. I know you're right. I just it's <laughs> selfish of me. Are these 17 inning games where it's eight innings worth of guys just swinging for home runs? I'm I'm out. I don't want to watch that any longer, Cal. I can't. So so, uh, so the I guess the logic is there is strategy um, yep. put forth with with any sort of rule. Yep. So if if you're embracing the rule, if this is the reality of uh, then you just have to start to figure out what's the best strategy that you can employ to to get that runner in from second base and, and win the game. So I don't I don't uh, take that away from the the move and 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 who knows maybe it'll prove out not to be uh, the right thing to do. But uh, um, it doesn't rub me the right way. Cal, my last one for you, and I really appreciate your time this morning. I, I mentioned earlier Adley's going to be up at Aberdeen this week, and everybody's excited about that because it's his path in the major leagues. Have, have you, I know it's been a weird couple of years with COVID and everything, have you had any opportunity at all to connect with him? There is so much pressure on this young man, and would you be interested in it? Is there advice that maybe you could give about how to handle, I mean, you weren't you know, the number one overall pick, but you were a local prospect and a legacy, and how do you handle such intense spotlight for a player like him where there is so much expected of him in the midst of this rebuild? Well, I mean, I, I think he's done it already. I mean, he, uh, he's pretty grounded. I haven't had the chance to meet him. I haven't had a chance to talk to him. I mean, it, it would be interesting to me, um, you know, to have a conversation or if I could ever be helpful to him, then I, I certainly would, would uh, like to be helpful to him. But I mean, I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. I think he uh, he's proved at each and every level that he uh, he can play, and, he, and he's living up to the uh, all the hype. Um, I would have liked to seen him come up last year. Hmm. Um, uh, he had a chance. He, I think he's, he was in Double A, then tore up Triple A, and uh, you know he had a chance to actually get his feet wet. Um, and I know the whole thing about uh, trying to gain an extra year, you know, on a younger player. Um, and hopefully that that's gone. Yep. But uh, I would have liked to see, uh, and maybe the Oriole fans too, as uh, you look at uh, a glimpse of the future and get a chance to see that in the, in the end month. But they chose not to do it. But uh, um, he's the real deal. He's a, he's a really good player. Cal, you are always so giving of your time. Is there anything else I can plug for you, sir? <laughs> no, no, not at all.
at Cal Ripken. I know you're on Twitter. We can plug that, at Cal Ripken Jr. He was one of the final holdouts, but we got him there. It, all it took was a global pandemic, and we got Cal Ripken to join Twitter. At Cal Ripken Jr. is how you follow him. And, of course, as I've said before, he's the man that finally got me to find a doctor again and go back and get a checkup, and I, and I needed that kick in the butt from Cal Ripken. Um, Cal, always appreciate you. Thank you so much for taking the time for us this morning. Let's chat again real soon, all right? It's my pleasure. Be glad to. Thank you. Cal Ripken Jr., of course, uh, you know, one of the greatest players in baseball history. That's all. Deciding to, to thankful to give us a buzz. Are you a big – wait a second. I'm going to learn something about Cass here in a second. Uh, uh, thank you to Cal. Appreciate him taking the time, and thank you to the folks at uh, John Maroon for uh, lining that up. Uh, Cass, you are – your fandom is very strange. You seem very excited about the fact that Cal Ripken called in this morning. No, I just have a high respect for like okay. really good athletes. Okay, and gotcha. it's it's a cool experience to be on the show and be able to like be here in a, his presence. You know what I'm saying? Like well, that's really cool. Well, that's you know, what? next time if I had known, if I had known that, I would have let you say goodbye at the end of the Aww, interview. I would have let you do. <laughs> <laughs> bye, Cal. <laughs> um, look, uh, a lot in there, obviously, with Cal Ripken, and you know, I, his point about would it have been nice to see Adley Rutschman a year ago? Yeah, it would have been. The rules being what they were at the time, it. It wouldn't have made sense for the Orioles to do that. Now the rules being what they are, hopefully, whether that teams will choose to bring somebody up at the end of the previous year or not, what we do know, with beyond any shadow of a doubt, is the new system set it up so that players are going to be on the opening day roster. There's not going to be the nonsense moving forward. I had some questions about that. That was I got all the evidence I needed. It was overwhelming. The top prospects were all on opening day rosters, and Adley Rutschman would have been had he not gotten hurt. So I am satisfied the evidence proves the theory. At least for now, the evidence proves that what baseball did within this CBA ended that. The best players, the guys that are most worthy of being on the opening day roster are going to be on the opening day roster. I am good with that. Thumbs up all around. There are still people that are like, well, you know, I'm watching everybody where else and all these you know, all these other teams, they're like, Adley Rutschman got hurt. People saying... It's not hard. God, I, I, I was in it yesterday on Twitter, people comparing him to Cody Bellinger. And Cody Bellinger, when he uh, made his Major League debut, how he's already won an MVP and done this and done that by the time he was Adley's age now. And I said, that's completely different. He had four yes. years in the minors and came up to a team. Adley Rutschman played college baseball. Yeah, in, we, in we, we can't do anything about that. Right. And, and, and then it, there was a pandemic. Right. He would have been up here probably... At the beginning of last yeah, year, maybe. I mean, I get we, we, we don't know that, but, but yes, probably. I think at some point last season he would have been on the team had there not been a pandemic. Right. I don't. This. I don't know if it would have been just a couple of weeks in. I don't know if he would have gotten there just when the service time thing ran up. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's plausible that at some he would have demanded his way to the major leagues oh, at some point last season if there had been no pandemic. And I, I don't doubt that there was probably because you, you remember Dylan Bundy's contract. It was you have to. I have yep. to be on the major league roster by 2016. Right. Right. You know, or the contract's voided. Right. Uh, there's probably something like that in his. Yeah, there might have been, well. and I, I don't. I, I just don't know all the details. It's also right. possible that they would have like they might have been able to play games with this, and almost said, "Hey, we could bring you up, but you know, if you, if if there's a, if there's anything at all injury wise, we can send you back down next year in order to deal with that. We mm-hmm. can call it a rehab assignment, but it works out well for us. You know, I don't know, but it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. The rules changed. They are what they are moving forward, and so this is not something that we're going to have to to have the same fear about at the beginning of seasons. Will mm-hmm. it still change a team's mind about whether to bring somebody up? 
Look, if a team's not good, I don't know that you're going to continue to see them just bring players up for the sake of bringing them up. We remember the Orioles brought Manny Machado up in 2012, and you know it clearly worked out quite well for them to make that decision when mm-hmm. they did, but they were good. <laughs> they were competing. There was something at stake. They also brought up, was it Gosman that year and let him pitch out of the bullpen? He, he was up and they had him on, on the bus all, all year long in 2012 and 2013. But in 2012, didn't he pitch out of the bullpen in yes. 2012? Yes. And, yeah. and Dylan Bundy made, made two appearances Did he? in 2012 yeah, okay. yeah. at the end of the yeah. year. Um, so, so that's the good news. I, 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 I hear what Cal's saying about, you know, it'd been nice to have him up last year. They were a bad baseball team. I, I have no problem with the fact that they chose not to do that. It's mm-hmm. you're not gonna I for business reasons you can't argue that it's I get what he's saying. No, he's absolutely. saying it's for ba- for baseball reasons. And yes, you can also throw in for the excitement of the team. Sure. I don't I don't disagree. It would have created a date in September where suddenly a lot of people would want to come to the ballpark. Um but there was there was just no real logic to it for the organization. Mm-hmm. Um you know, as far as what he says, I, I get it. Cal's got you can hear the old school in him coming mm-hmm. out when he's talking about the shifts, when he's talking about the extra innings, and he's willing to listen, right? He's willing to listen to the hopefully it'll just be a temporary. I don't the shift in particular. I don't know, man. I I think that's far more likely to not be temporary, and for baseball to say this is how the game was played forever. Mm-hmm. You can say we're doing this artificially, but we're saying the shift was artificial. Like, the shift was not – we a game was invented that involved players play, standing in different positions on the field. That was the concept of the game. We didn't tighten the rules up about that. We didn't write it down so that you must be within this zone, and that allowed teams to manipulate it. But they were the ones manipulating the rules, not us by banning the shift. If hitters had adapted to the shift – then this probably wouldn't happen. But they didn't, and it was to the detriment of the sport. It it created way too many of like the, the, the true outcome scenarios that we talked about. And so it's easier for them to sit back and say, look, man, y- y- you can be mad about this, but this is how baseball was supposed to be played. Baseball wasn't supposed to involve four infielders all to the other side of second mm-hmm. base. That's not the game that was invented. And you still have a little bit of wiggle room there because you can play the shortstop an inch to the right. Exactly right. Uh, uh, and uh, and as soon as the ball is pitched, you can move over a little bit more if you'd mm-hmm. like. Like you, There's absolutely still ways to be manipulative within the rules as written. One of the most egregious shifts I ever saw was last Sunday when I was at the Orioles-Yankees game. I believe it was Anthony Santander was at the plate. The Yankees had three had three outfielders from center field to the left field line, and they had the third baseman playing in shallow right field. With the second baseman playing at second base, everybody shifted over. So there was nobody at third base, nobody in left field. They had basically everybody from center field over. It was the craziest yep. shift I've ever I mean, seen. That's, it, that's not, their argument would be, and it's not really why they're doing it, but they can argue that's not how baseball was supposed to be played. Right. That's not, we invented a game that didn't involve that. Now, look, most sports evolve, right? Like, you know, we have, we have manipulated what the rules were in football to allow for fake, like when, they, when, when football was invented, there wasn't a thought to have the guy that was punting the ball throw the football. But we realized pretty quickly, like, hey, the rules don't say you can't do that. So we could have the punter throw the ball when they don't expect him to, and catch everybody off guard and take advantage of it. And it was a cool place. So football said, yeah, why would we get rid of that? Why would we make it so the guy that's lined up as the punter isn't allowed to throw it? It's a fun right. play. It's a cool play that adds something to the sport. Did the shift add anything to the enjoyment of baseball? 
I think it takes it one hundred percent takes away from the enjoyment of baseball. I I tend to agree as much as I am again. I struggle with what Cal's struggling with. I struggle with mm-hmm. when the shift really came. I remember saying like, "Hey, look, we're overreacting to this. Hitters are going to adapt to it. There are going to be younger generations that learn how to hit against the shift. This is not going to be that big of a deal." And it just never it never occurred. And I don't think it was going to occur in the next 10 years because it was quite obvious that what was still being taught was a home run still more valuable. Mm-hmm. So what are we left with? I don't like it. I'm not, I'm not cheering about it. I'm not happy about it. But I, I come back to, I think, for the health of the sport, it's a necessary evil. I, yeah. It's just the way that I feel about it. Yeah, I, I would have loved to ask Kyle, and I wish I would have. You always, um, I, I, you, you're like Kyle with this. You got him. Ask him. Yeah, but I, I, do, I do this sometimes too. Where I think but, of a question after immediately afterwards. But you, you would said to him the, the idea is why don't you just hit the ball where they where the players aren't right. Um, also, I, easier and, said than done. Right, obviously. right, right. <laughs> I, I wonder if that's why the strikeouts have gone up so much. Because I think that you can see a correlation between when the shift really started being put into play even more so and the strikeouts going up. I know everybody's trying to hit home runs, but if you get in a 98-mile-an-hour fastball and you're trying to wait a split second mm-hmm. later to in order it the to, other way, yep. you're probably swinging right That's a it. very fair point, too. You're not wrong about that whatsoever. It absolutely has to play at least some sort of a role in the – well, and again, I say that I don't know. I have these. I don't even know if guys are still trying to do that anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think at first there probably was some of that. I think at some point they might have just honestly stopped. <laughs> they right. might have just said, "We're not even going to bother trying to do well, that any I'll, longer." And I said this on the show a few weeks back. A lot of these guys, they, like like you said, instead of trying to go the other way or lay down a bunt or beat the shift, they were just trying to hit the ball over the shift. Right. You know, and right. That yep. leads to the strikeouts too. Hey, join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Yes, if you're just joining us, we had to start a little bit early this morning, but you know, when Cal Ripken calls, you're you do that. You you make you change your plans for Cal Ripken because he's I don't know if you're aware, he's Cal Ripken. Perhaps you've heard. You might be familiar with his work. Still to come today, our weekly conversation with our buddy Patrick Stevens. We'll cover the world of college sports. Uh, in just a couple of minutes, I'm very excited that Tory Smith will be back on the program. It's been a little while since we caught up with Tory, one of our favorites, and he and his wife are part of the foundation of Project Runway every year, and I'll be the MC for that on Friday night. And so uh, Tory's going to check in to talk about that, a little football. Should the Ravens still be in the market for a wide receiver? We'll pose that to Tory. Um, as he's going to join us here in just a couple of minutes. Also today, I promise, we're going to talk about the Ronnie Stanley stuff. Is it all a smokescreen? We'll dive into a lot of galaxy brain stuff going on based on Ian Rappaport's Ronnie Stanley reporting in the last 24 hours. And we will talk about the the good news today that uh, Masson will be sending uh, Kevin Brown and the broadcasters on the road again, starting with this series in New York. So I didn't hear that. Yes, that is very awesome. that is very good news. We'll talk more about that here in a minute. So that's all on the way. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. If you missed it, we were just talking about Adley Rutschman going to Aberdeen. Stan the Fan and Ross Grimsley caught up with Ironbirds GM Jack Graham yesterday. That conversation available. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. It is a very exciting week. 
Paul's going up. I think you said you would sign all autographs tomorrow uh, night uh, when you're yeah, there. Uh, come, come Anything, any Paul. rules you have about what you're not willing to sign? Anything that we <laughs> need to cover ahead of time? Like uh, I think I'm going to pass on butts. Butt cheeks? You're not going to sign butt cheeks. Not going to sign what butt cheeks. What a jerk this guy is. So if a guy is standing next to you at the urinal and is like, you're Paul Valley. I know you from the internet. You won't sign his butt cheeks? Oh, man. I don't yeah, Maybe. I, I think yeah, I'm going right? to. Yeah. I, all right. That's all that guy e- ever wanted. Everything's fair game. I will sign everything. John Daly this would. Is, I know that Now much. this is assuming that my wife lets me go. Oh, uh, you think there's a... We, there's we, a... We, we, we spoke about it yesterday. She has to work the next day, so she won't go. She won't go, and oh, wait, she wait, wait, wants wait, wait, me... Wait a second. She's afraid of all the money I'm going to spend. Oh. Wait, on, <laughs> on beer or on, like, gear? Well, I'm not... I'm, oh, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy gear. I wouldn't, I'm not going to drink. Um, well, she's, no, she's just afraid I'm going to spend all this money on concessions. I don't think she understands how hell? cheap tickets are to the Ironbirds. Yeah, what, what, I don't understand that like at the all. The best seats are 20 bucks. And do you have to spend money on concessions? Or can you I don't. I don't. I told, her I, I, I told her I wouldn't, but she this is a weird. I will. This is a really weird bit, Paul. I this know. is a really strange. I, I know. Now think about that guy. You better go back and tell her there's probably a guy that's going to want you to sign his butt cheeks now. You can get it tattooed. Yeah, yeah. Think right? about it. That's, that's a great point. Oh, no. uh, the poor, poor soul better, that wants Paul Valley's name better, tattooed on his you butt better, cheek. You better let her know. Uh, that's not what Stan the Fan and Ross Grimsley were chatting about with Jack Graham, the general manager of the Ironbirds. I promise you that. But you can find that conversation right now. Tori Smith joins us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com that first sip that first bite Mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help. Running in when others run away. Working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people. People like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. 
Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. Hey, you have exactly one hour and 30 minutes to go sign up. Pressboxonline.com slash contests. We are giving away a reserve table for four with a $300 tab for the NFL Draft Thursday night, the first round of the draft in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. But you got to go sign up right now. At noon, we're going to pick a winner. So go to pressboxonline.com slash contests. I'll be there with the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard. We'll be hanging out with you. we got great giveaways from Great Eights memorabilia. Looking forward to that. But you have to sign up right now, pressboxonline.com slash contests. So that's my plans for Thursday night. Then my plans for Friday night are to be at uh, Pier 6, where I will be emceeing this year's Project Runway event as uh, it benefits Show Your Soft Side. And this man and his wife have been the found- one of the foundations of this event for years. It's always a pleasure for us to welcome back in the former Raven, the Super Bowl champion, the former Terp, the all-around good guy, and the man who made Baltimore his home and helps our community a great deal. He is our friend, Mr. Tory Smith, and he's back with us on GCR. Tory, it's Glenn and Paul. It's always good to catch up, my friend. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, I appreciate y'all having me. Man, it's good to chat with you. Can you tell me, because I never asked you this story, how did you and Chanel end up getting involved with Show Your Soft Side? Why is this something that has been so important to you for so long? Yeah, I think for me when my rookie year, actually, um, we met Sandy uh, from Show Your Soft Side, and she was, I was. I always grew up an animal lover. You know, if you would have asked me any time before my sophomore year of high school what I wanted to be when I grow up, my answer was always a veterinarian. Really, I never knew so, that. I, yeah, so I was. I've always been in the dogs, and we've always had one in our family. So um, that's really how I was interested. Became interested in it and learned that they were uh, a resource, and you know, I always feel like you know, obviously animals can't advocate for themselves, so kind of being a, a voice for them and let people know that there are options out there uh, and animals that need homes. And, you know, I'm never a person that tells people, hey, you know, I'm not all the way in on, hey, don't get what you don't want, but I want people to know that there are options out there and dogs that need homes that, you know, will fit very well with certain families. Are, are you at risk of, is there is there a chance that come Saturday morning there will be a new dog in the Smith household because of someone that you meet on Friday nights? Uh, absolutely not. Okay, um, all for, right. For, 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 my, for myself, man, I, I don't think our household can handle another breathing creature. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I love my kids to death and uh, our dog Ice, but all of them are enough. Yeah, brother, I know. I, I got, uh, I'm, actually, we're only down to one. We had one pass away. So we're, we got a seven-year-old and a four-year-old kid. And then we got one dog at the moment, so I'm actually terrified that my wife is going to say, like, look at, look at this, look at this poor creature 
tell me we're not taking this creature home with us right now, and I'm just going to look at you right. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to end up doing it. I'm terrified of <laughs> I mean, that. anything's possible with Chanel, but for me, the answer would be no, but guess I should probably never say never. I mean, brother, this is the way it goes. You, sometimes you just look at him, you're like, you're right. You're right. <laughs> like, how can I not? How can I not? Well, um, you know, this is not all the only good work you do. I want to remind everybody, you can go to projectrunway.org. There are still tickets available for Friday night. Um, Tori will be there. Of course, Nick Boyle and Ronnie Stanley, Pat Ricard, and so many more. And on top of that, there is a wonderful silent auction that is available as well with some incredible items. I've joked about the fact that like Nick Boyle is literally willing to come walk your dog, which is insane. I can't believe he's doing that. Uh, but so much great autograph, memorabilia. Uh, you can go right now, projectrunway.org, in order to find all of that. Um, so, Tori, let's get caught up with you, man. What's going on in your world? Like, you, you, you've conquered everything. You're a media mogul now. You're... You know, obviously, with, with what you're doing for the community and the camps and the after-school programs, like, dude, how do you have a moment to breathe and be a dad ever? Oh, man, it's all, you forgot coaching my kid and having 707. Honestly, I'm at the point in my life where I think I, start, I need to start doing less, but <laughs> I'm enjoying, you know, the process of being able to help out and really, you know, do what I enjoy doing. I realized since I retired, and even before then, you know, my, the things that I enjoy are just simply helping people. Uh, sports happens to be a part of that. The yep. community happens to be a part of that. Raising my kids happens to be a part of that. So I'm really tied into all things that I enjoy doing and uh, and helping people that I, I deeply care about. So I've been enjoying it. My family's all in. Uh, the kids are doing well, watching it grow up fast. And, uh, you know, we're just having a great time trying to you know, be better versions of ourselves as well in the process. Level 82, of course, is, is what Tori is all about and, and the incredible ways you're going about helping the community. And did I see also that you're, you're kind of tackling the mental health issue as well recently? Uh, yes, I've always been an advocate for mental health, especially since I um, became more aware of what it really meant, especially in the, the African-American community. Uh, you know, mental health, I always saw, and when I heard mental health, I thought of like the being in a crazy jacket and, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily dealing with things that I was personally dealing with myself, uh, the trauma and so many things that aren't normal, but people treat it like it's normal. And so I think it's, impo- it's important to speak out about these things and tell people it's okay and not be okay. It's okay to get help. And uh, with partnering with Rose Health has been able to, you know, kind of help make sure that people have access to it. Um, it's more technology-based and having access to your phone to a therapist. But to me, it's been an amazing experience just speaking up any chance I get, whether whether that's with Rose or, you know, someone I'm passing along in a grocery store, because you'd be surprised at the people that engage with you about conversations when, you know, when you're open about mental health struggles. Wow. I mean, that's, that's, it's, it's powerful, and I appreciate you doing that. I also find, like, it's, everybody knows you when you're in the grocery store. I would almost find it a little bit off-putting, like, hey, man, can I, can I start talking to you? And you're like, hey, bro, I don't, I don't know you. <laughs> like, I mean, it might be somebody else maybe we should get you talking into in some way. I would actually be a little bit worried about that. Um, Tori, I, I want to go back. This is NFL Draft Week. I want to go back to 2011 if I could. If we had chatted with you on Tuesday of Draft Week in 2011, and I had said, hey, Tori, you know, what's the chances you think you end up in Baltimore? What would you have said to me back then? Very high. Yeah, you knew. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm on, I'm on the record for saying that I thought I was going to go to Baltimore being number one, 
Atlanta or New England. So do you think that in talking to guys you know, was that common? Do you feel like most guys have that same feeling of, of who loves them and where the most likely scenarios are for them going into a week? I think you kind of know who Ooh. like their own fake GM, right? And your agent as well, trying to figure out places that like you and, you know, and how you may fit in. And so for me, I was able to go through and say, okay, what teams need um, a receiver? Yep. Um, I knew Atlanta I knew Atlanta needed a receiver. And, you know, I remember talking to their GM at the time, and he was like, hey, you know, there's a, a chance that we pick you on the back end of uh, the first round, or we're going to trade up and get, you know, A.J. or Julio. He said that out of his mouth. And so I knew that, okay, if they traded on draft day, then obviously I wouldn't be going there. And they made a trade on draft day, so I knew I wouldn't be going right. there. So I kind of scratched them off the list. But the other two teams, you know, I had worked out for them. I had had, you know, visits and, you know, everything had went well. And they had a need. So you kind of try to figure out how you fit in. There are teams that have needs for a receiver, and there are teams that have needs for a certain type of receiver. Were and you- I thought with, with those teams, I kind of fit in well. When the Ravens took Jimmy, were you disappointed? Were you like, what was your reaction when you weren't their first round pick? Um, when I knew when I didn't get picked in the first round, I was like, uh oh, now I have no clue. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah. Where, where, where I'm going to go? Because you know, if, for me being a guy that, depending on who you asked, I was either their third receiver on the board or potentially their, I guess you could say their fifth receiver on the board. Right. And so understanding that, it's like, well, in the second round, you know, you put a lot of people now, right? Right. Um, you know, after they drafted that, so now I was like, I, I wasn't as sure. But to me, um, I wanted to go to Baltimore, so I didn't care if that was falling in the draft or, you know, being or being traded up for, I wanted to. I wanted to be in Baltimore. Worked out all right, by the way. Worked out all right. Tory Smith is with us. He's going to be part of Project Runway Friday night at Pier Six. Tory, you know it's weird. It, it feels like you, you mentioned the Ravens had a need at wide receiver. It feels like every year when we were having draft conversations, we'd be talking about the Ravens' need for wide receiver. That when even when they had one, well, they could always use another one, right? This is the first year. It feels like. People are like, well, the Ravens don't really need to draft a wide receiver. They got two guys we like in Rashad Bateman and, you know, obviously in Hollywood Brown, who's, who's been very productive for years. Do you think that should preclude them from going wide receiver again? Like, I keep coming back to, man, I look at these dudes. I love the first round wide receivers in this draft. I mean, I, I think these are special players. I don't know that I would be opposed to, like, what's the problem with having another one? Like, should should there be any reason why you don't get another, even if you like your first two? Yeah, I think the, the draft, there are bigger needs. You know, I look at the cornerback position, you know, potentially a linebacker. You never have enough pass rushes, right, especially interior. So, to me, I think there are bigger holes than where the offensive line continue to boast of that, right? Yep. I think there are a lot of holes that, they could fill. I mean, obviously, it's always great if you go specifically off the of best player available. But when you said, "Hey, we, you know, two of our three, if that were the case, three of our last, you know, four or five draft picks have been receivers," it'd be like, "All right, what are we doing here?" You know, I think Lamar has the weapons around him. I think you have your your starting two guys, um, in, in Hollywood Brown, who I think fans in this area really underrate him. I think he takes much heat hmm. Hmm. for what he's been able to do. I think he plays his role very well. 
Um, and I think he has a, a chance to, to be a big-time player still. And I think he's he's going to be a guy that's going to make a lot of money playing too. So you add him and Rashad Bateman, he's going to have a big year. And I think you just find that third guy to fit in. There aren't enough balls to go around everyone. So I assume that you probably wouldn't be all that concerned about trying to trade for Debo Samuel then. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely not. I just don't see how it makes any sense financially or, uh, you know, financially or literally with this team and where they are. I think Debo's a weapon, right? But if you ask me, are the Ra- did the Ravens not make the Super Bowl because they didn't have a receiver that can run? Right. And the answer to that is no. No, that wasn't the difference. I hear you. I, I, com- I completely – I don't know, man. I just – whenever you have the opportunity to have a special talent on your football team, bro, it's it's hard for me to – Yeah, but you know how we are in this business because you're on our, our side now. Like, we want everybody. Like, that's just the way it goes. There's a good football <laughs> player. We're like, dude, yeah, we want that guy too. We, we want them all. It's the way that it works. Um, what you said there was interesting when you talk about Hollywood because I think you're touching on something that is very real, which is – Hollywood is treated as though he's somehow a bust, and that's insane. He is, you pointed out, is a very productive player. He is judged against the fact that the next couple of wide receivers that were taken that year included Debo and included A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf, who you know have looked like even more of studs than he has. But what you're touching on, I think, is very fair. He, I think, gets com- terribly unfairly criticized and unfairly treated for the actual player that he is based on people's desires for him to have been again like a Debo Samuel instead yeah I think to me man um, our issue in society is people think that because you aren't a superstar that you're not a star Hmm. like because you don't have 1,500 yards and double-digit touchdowns, which he could very easily hit based on how they play, um, that you're not good. So there's like there's no room for being in between. Right, right. <laughs> and, I, and I think that is unfair to the player in so many different ways because he, you know, he, he, missed, he missed a game or two and he, and he had uh, one over 1,000 yards, right? Uh, there were multiple plays. People forget at the beginning of the year – for the first half of the season, the guy was top five in yards, right? Had he, he made, had he made a few more plays in, um, had he made a few more plays in, um, in Detroit, you know, he would have been leading the league in both yards and touchdowns. You're right. So, you know, this is a guy that that has that potential. So, people are writing it off like he's he's doing absolutely nothing. That's and that's simply not the case. It reminds me of when there were people that would complain about a certain wide receiver. Hey, uh, all he ever does is get pass interference yards. Like, that was a bad thing. Like, that somehow was a problem. Right. Yeah. Listen, I understand where he's coming from yeah. with that, right? I mean, I think, I think I probably got criticized by people that thought I wasn't doing enough, but now that I'm on the other side and I've actually took the time to look at numbers, and I'm like, wait, did you look at what these numbers say? Right, right. Oh, <laughs> right? brother. And not, not, not because I like I'm you. Like, <laughs> from, from a football perspective, I remember getting into a lot of fights with people. Like, all you did was catch 10 touchdowns, and people were like, well, I don't know if, if, if Torrey Smith's really all that. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Like, what in the <laughs> hell is happening here? The guy caught 10 touchdowns last season. Have we lost our mind? There was a lot of that going on in the world, bro. I'm definitely there now. Like, now that I'm on the analytics side and doing the the analyst stuff and actually have the ability to see analytics, I'm like, ah, 
That wasn't that bad. Some people feel that way, but that's not necessarily what the numbers are. <laughs> right. By the way, if you were playing right now, you'd probably be in line to make $20 million a year, the way that things are going. At the Man, I wish I, was, I wish I was born five years later. Right? right. Jeez. <laughs> hey, if, if I could just one, one, run this one by you, Tori, because I've said a million times, whatever Lamar Jackson wants to do, that's his business, right? Like, I don't care – he, he has earned the right to do whatever he wants to do in terms of getting a contract, when he gets a contract, how much that contract is, where it is. He has that right. But admittedly, I'm, I'm confused. And if I was a player and in a player's association, I would always want to see a player pursuing the biggest possible contract they can get. D- does that confuse you at all why he would simply say, like, no, I want to go try to win a Super Bowl. I'm, not, I'm just not concerned about this right now. Yeah, I mean, he's going to get paid, right? Like, I think everyone understands that. He's going to get paid. He's going to make money. But I think he's going about it in a way that, like, listen, I'm not going to stretch it or rest. And at the end of the day, if that's the strategy, if he wanted to wait until the season and then say, I'm, I'm not showing up to camp, then there would be a problem, right? He would get paid right then and there, right? So I think it's just the way he's handling business. And I think Eric, they have a great relationship. And, you know, everything's really fluid right now. I think if – if it comes to the point where he's like, hey, I'm not stepping on the field because these guys are getting this and I'm getting this, like, he's going to be fine. And I think the way he's handling it, handling it shows a lot about him. Um, and at the same time, if he did say, hey, I'm not coming to anything because I, mm-hmm. I wanted to get paid, it doesn't make him a bad guy. No, I agree. Because- you know, you, you have to protect yourself. Right. And, and by the way, I would actually understand that more. <laughs> I'd be like, bro, I get it. Like, Look around, man. Look at the money all these other dudes. Kirk Cousins is getting $35 million to play football. No offense to Kirk Cousins. God bless him, right? Like, good for him. I, that's the part that's confusing to me, man. If I'm Lamar Jackson, I, I can't. You're signing up to pay play for $24 bucks. Like, I, good for, dude, again, it's great for the Ravens. I just, I'm confused. That's all. I'm just a little confused by it. But he's, <laughs> he's earned that right, man. He has earned the right to do whatever he wants to do. Uh, Tory Smith, Friday night, Project Runway. Again, projectrunway.org in order to get your tickets and to check out the silent auction. What else can we plug for you, my friend? Uh, that's it. Just continue to support Level 82. You can go to level82.org. And um, otherwise that, just take care of your people, love on your people, and uh, continue to take care of Baltimore. At Tory Smith, WR, wide receiver, if you will, on Twitter is how you follow him. Tory, always appreciate you. Thank you for doing this this morning. We'll see you Friday night, all right? Appreciate you having me. See you Friday. It's Tory Smith. You know, he and I absolutely, as you know, we agree wholeheartedly about the Hollywood Brown thing. I'm not saying that Hollywood Brown should be paid like Devontae Adams. And I think that's a bigger conversation we got to have about his future and about what the price is that you're willing to pay for him and all of those things. But I've told you guys a billion times, we absolutely are unfair in the way that we talk about Hollywood Brown. He's a highly productive football player. Has he had some unfortunate big drops? Yep, absolutely, 100%. Nobody argues with that. He's a high-level football player. I think what happened in the second half of the season where it seemed like he was making business decisions game in and game out is where people I'm uncomfortable with saying business decisions. I'm uncomfortable with that. I think if you want to say the thing in like Miami where he didn't go for the ball, like that, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, 
and I'm conflating him with Sammy Watkins. That was Sammy yeah, Watkins was, in Miami. Sorry, Sammy I'm, what am I thinking? There was a there was a play he, where he, he he had a couple of drops. I know um, there were drops. There was one where it seemed Miami. like he wasn't making a. Play. There was a ball that he just didn't seem to make a play on, and I can't. It was, remember. On, the, it was on the sideline on like third down when if he caught it, it would I think it would have been a first it, down. Or he could have run for a first that, down. Yeah, something like I God, it's going to drive me nuts not thinking about it. But yeah, the Miami thing was definitely I've Sammy Watkins. I, I don't know why I've conflated the two in my mind over the over these months. Yeah, it was it was pretty miserable. There's no question about that. I'm uncomfortable saying business decisions. Um, he avoided contact more after Lamar got hurt than he did the first half of the season. And I don't know if there's a if there's a correlation there. Yeah, I'd have to go back. I'd have to go through and look at that. Have to you know, I have to dive into it. I just I'm uncomfortable with when we trash Hollywood Brown. He's he's not that. He's a productive, helpful football player and would probably do well to have an entire season of Rashad Bateman, Bateman yeah. on the other side. And as I said before, it might be that in another offense where they throw the ball more, he might be even more productive. Mm-hmm. And it might be that we talked about him in different ways. I'm not saying that Hollywood Brown would be Tyreek Hill if he was playing in Kansas City because, you know, that's just a a freakish athlete. Um, But I I think that he would likely be even more productive and spoken about in a different way, which doesn't change the fact... I I don't say all those things to absolve him of any of the drops or any of the mistakes that he's made, just to say I think we're unfair in the way we talk about Hollywood Brown. But it's a complicated question because then it gets to, well, what does he have to do for you to feel comfortable paying him big money? There was never a debate. I can't believe we tried to make it seem like there was some controversy about his fifth-year option. Like, that was insane, the way we talked about it. for a thousand-yard receiver. Man, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, that was nuts that we talked about that as if it was controversial or there was any sort of debate about his fifth-year option. I think they could utilize him a little bit better. They seem to like to try to get him the ball in, in short yardage and, and have him miss people, but I feel right. like they should. They, it seems like the Ravens have always had an aversion to throwing slants. And I, and yeah, with, we've with talked about speed, that a good bit. I, again, in in theory, yes, it sounds. I, I'm not opposed to it. Mm. Like I, my, I don't ever think it's as simple as people try to make it out to be. Yeah. But I mean, there's defenses out there, sure. right? But in general, yeah. I mean, of course, I'd be in favor of it. The to get him going and running as he catches the ball, and yes, a hundred percent. Where Tori and I disagree a little bit is I'm. I get that they have bigger needs. I'm not trying. I don't think wide receiver is even close to their biggest need at the moment. But that doesn't mean I'm out. It doesn't mean that I suddenly think that if the opportunity isn't there, you shouldn't draft a wide receiver. I'm not pressing for an edge rusher. I'm not pressing for George Karloftis or Boye Mafe. If one of these wide, I think Garrett Wilson is a stud. As it happens to be, I think that some of the other guys, like the Jahan Dotsons, are studs too. Right? Like I just really like this wide receiver class. Um, and I think if that guy's there and, you know, a Jermaine Johnson isn't and maybe a Jordan Davis isn't, I'm not just saying, well, there's no way we can draft a wide receiver. We're good at wide receiver. I'm not doing that. I I, I can't. Mm-hmm. Put another weapon out there. Three years out of four, though, then you're looking like the Detroit Lions. I, I hear you, but you're looking like a, a lot of teams draft a lot of wide receivers. Yeah. The Pittsburgh Steelers, we always complimented them on how many wide receivers they constantly had. It's because they constantly drafted them. Now, they mm-hmm. didn't draft them all in the first round. I get it. They were drafting them all over the place, but they were constantly drafting the Santonio Holmes of the world and the Plaxico Burris of the world and the Antonio Browns. They were constantly drafting another Mike Wallace, another wide receiver to add into the mix mm-hmm. so that they always had this arsenal of weapons for Ben Roethlisberger. And it worked out pretty well. I'm not saying that's what I think the strategy should be, although I'm in favor of drafting wide receivers every year. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Um, I'm not saying that you should plan on drafting another wide receiver. I'm just saying if it works out that way, that that guy is sitting there, and yeah, and and as Daniel Jeremiah said, I think Garrett Wilson is a top five player in this draft. That guy's sitting there at 14 for whatever insane reason. I, I ain't passing on him just because I don't think that there's a need for Garrett Wilson. I'm not doing that. Uh, no chance. Sorry. I mean, there's just, there's no way. I don't have to say sorry. It's just, I'm not doing that. But that doesn't mean I'm telling you they need to do it either. It's just me saying I'm not eliminating the position. And I'm, I wouldn't be eliminating Debo Samuel either. I need special football players. I need as many special football players as I can put on this roster. And Debo Samuel qualifies as special, so I'd, I'd be willing to do it. Today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience, and technologically advanced connectivity, sporty performance, and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Running a couple of minutes late this morning. Appreciate Patrick Stevens being willing to be flexible because Torrey Smith wanted to call in. We do it every Tuesday. We talk some college sports. He is, of course, the man that you follow at Discourse, D1S Course on Twitter. Read a USA Lacrosse magazine and the Washington Post. He is our buddy Patrick Stevens, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Patrick, good morning, my friend. How are you? I am well and perfectly happy to wait any time for somebody to promote something so, something like positive. Oh, I, and I know that you you in particular, it's, it's it hits a little bit closer to home this year. What the folks at Show Your Soft Side do, right? It's... Absolutely, absolutely. Having added cat number three to the to the menagerie, if you want to call yeah. it that, I wouldn't say it's too crazy. I mean, two of them I just actually hit the sixteen year mark having here. Uh, so wow. it's pretty wow. it's pretty amazing that, that to have a pair of seventeen year old cats. Uh, and then obviously adding my one eyed Jack yep. here back in December, who's just a, an absolute treat, even if he is in the process of destroying all of my windows. <laughs> he's, he's he's done a number and I, I certainly have no interest in actually going out and buying new ones until he's a little bit older. It's it's a it's a sacrifice you're willing to make. For, it, it is. Yeah, it, right. that, if that's the downside to all the upside, if that's the downside that's worth it. I know you can't join us Friday because you got the loyal lacrosse game that you're working, but um, I, I have, as I've told you a couple times, I am terrified that the Clark family is going to have another puppy come come Saturday morning. Come Friday night. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> nervous about that, my friend. Very nervous about it. All right, um, so since the last time we talked to you, obviously a, a huge shift in the college basketball world as Jay Wright um, decided to step away. I Were you as shocked as everyone else was? And what should we know about Kyle Neptune who steps in his place? Well, uh, you know, I, I don't know if shock is the right word. I mean, I, I think the shocking thing is, is being reminded that Jay Wright is 60. Um, you know, like, I mean, he looks like he's about, I mean, he looks I know, like right? he might be younger than me. There's Dave, no doubt. Right? No doubt. Man. It's crazy. Uh, I mean, I'm not... Now, I, I would say this, that we're getting close to the point of where we're going to have coaches, and I'm not saying Jay Wright was one of these guys. We're getting close to the point where we're getting where we're getting coaches that got into it in part because they knew they could get rich, um, getting towards the end of their careers uh, or getting into their into their early to mid fifties or so. I think when you look around the landscape, you know when you have a job and you've done a job really well for for you know decades, and the job suddenly shifts in a lot of crazy different ways, and not just 
not just the the NIL stuff, which I, I, I've, I've said to you before, I don't think is as hard to deal with as some folks think. I think the transfer issue and the free, basically the player, the freedom of movement for players is a much harder thing, and just in terms of doing the job of being a head coach, in terms of stocking your roster and, and trying to have some sort of long term plan. If you'd had only one of those two things going on right now, I, I don't know if there might be there might be a as much of a thought that guys might be saying, you know what, enough of this. But now that you've got the job basically completely changing, uh, and it really isn't nearly as much about basketball as it once was, I'm not sure it's shocking anybody that has a ton of money in the bank and has Hmm. basically done everything you can do would say, you know what, I'm going to peace out and enjoy the rest of my life. Thank you very much. I, I just, I just, and I don't say that as a, as a knock on, you know the the transfer rule, and I don't say that as a knock on players being able to be paid. Although we could have a, a discussion as to whether you know what NIL really is. Like it's probably not uh, you know a guy signing up and saying, "Well, I'm going to get four hundred thousand dollars for playing for this team." Like you usually have to. The idea behind it was that you actually had to do something in addition. But hey, make your money where you can make it. I, I have. I don't begrudge anybody that. That said, if you're a coach and you have to change the way that you have done business for 25, 30, 35 years, and you don't ha- you don't really have to do it, if you can just walk away, it's got to be pretty appealing. I, I mean, look, man, I, 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 if I could be spending my 60s just like, playing with grandkids and on a beach somewhere or something like that, that sounds like a job, and I, I got plenty of money in the bank, nothing to worry about. That sounds like a pretty good way of living life. Um, there are a lot of people that believe that there could be some sort of next thing for Jay Wright, that he takes a little time off and then he decides he wants to be in the NBA or he wants to do something else. I, I don't know what the, I don't know Jay Wright, right? Like although uh, Yeah, I mean I've I've certainly read things that, that have suggested like, you know what, that's it. Uh the one the one scenario that if I'm sitting here thinking what might pique the guy's curiosity and what might be the right level of commitment required um, because he's been an assistant on the Olympic team. Maybe, maybe being the head coach for that for okay. a cycle. Yep. Maybe that, maybe that would be like the right amount of scratching the itch or whatever. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, it keeps going back to the idea of you got all this money in the bank. You've done everything you can possibly do. Realistically, you know, the self life of an NBA coach is typically what about three years or so for most of them. I mean, and sometimes it can go like John Beeline, and it can only be half yeah, a season. Yeah, that's a great point. Like, what's you know, why why do that? You know, to me, to me, to me, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I, I didn't want to forget about your other question there, which was about Kyle Neptune, who mm. who I thought did a really nice job at Fordham this season. I mean, you go sixteen and sixteen at Fordham, that actually counts for something. Uh, it's their first five hundred season in six years. Um, you know, he actually had a he had a. Uh, um, a strategy, and we saw it in the A-10 tournament uh, when they played George Mason, but they used it in a bunch of games. As a, a guy, Ron Bailey, who covers Georgetown for Rivals, described it as, don't guard the scrub. And so essentially, he had a, he basically took the approach of every team in this league, probably just about everybody other than Davidson, has somebody that can't shoot. And so they basically ignored that guy yeah, Darren, out on the right, perimeter. Right. And it worked. You know, they went 8-10 and 10 in the league, which was which is really good for Fordham. Uh, he obviously knows the Villanova system extremely well. Not a surprise that they would try to do is some something as close to a continuity hire as possible. Uh, and so, 
I, I think that that is an unsurprising choice, all things considered. Uh, if anything, it was probably good for him uh, to to not to have it happen now, as opposed to getting dragged down by what Fordham has typically been, which is an under-resourced program in that league, and they've really struggled in a quarter of a century in the A10, which is why they were so excited not just to get Kyle Neptune, but to get the sort of results that they got in a hurry. Uh, so. I think he'll slide right in. He's going to know a lot of the guys already in the program. We'll have recruited a lot of those guys. We'll coach some of those guys. Uh, and I suspect that we'll see something probably not dissimilar uh, to what we saw at North Carolina this year, hmm. which is uh, you know a coach that, that has plenty of familiarity with a program, You know, probably taking a little bit of time to adjust. He obviously has a little less of an adjustment uh, there just because he's been a head coach for a year. Uh, and I think that Villanova will probably end up being in pretty good hands. He is Patrick Stevens. He's with us, as he is every Tuesday here on GCR. Uh, Patrick, Maryland lands one player for the fall in, a, in Noah Bachelor, but they still clearly have quite a few things they need to do before they can put a basketball team together on the floor next year. I believe that's five scholarships left for the yeah. coming season. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of guys in the portal. The race to the portal to be eligible for next season is closing here at the end of the week. Uh, we'll probably have a better idea by sometime in, in mid-May as to as to what that roster looks like. On the lacrosse front, um, boy, I know you were at Maryland Hopkins on Saturday. I remember kind of jokingly saying to you, I've, I've watched a lot of these games over the years. I could see this weirdly being one where Hopkins gives Maryland fits. No, no, not the, the uh, correct answer whatsoever. Um, I've, we've never seen anything like this before. There's a lot to unpack there. Let's, let's start with, with a basic thing here. The, the Virginia Syracuse game on ESPNU ran long. Yeah. Okay. So by the time that they switched that over to Hopkins, Maryland, by the time the Syracuse Virginia game ended, it was already four nothing. Right. Okay. So if you were DDRing it, like I was, you, you, you missed basically the game being decided right then and there. <laughs> um, you know, if you're Maryland, you obviously got everything imaginable went right for you. Uh, you won a ton of faceoffs. Uh, you had plenty of balance. Owen Murphy, the former Hopkins attackman, comes back and scores four goals and has an assist in his first game against his old team. Your backup goalie gets in in the fourth quarter and stands on his head and makes seven saves. I mean, this is essentially, I don't want to say it's Maryland at its peak because I thought that the first 25 minutes or so against Rutgers was really, really good. But this was really, really good, too. Yeah. And, and if you're Hopkins, oh, boy. I mean, it's one thing to lose, and it's one thing to lose to a really good team. Even if it was like the loss that they had last year in the first meeting in College Park, where they played well for a half and then just sort of faded away and lost by eight. Uh, you know, that wouldn't be too bad. But you're down 22 to four after three quarters on your home field against your arch rival. I mean, the the gap between the two of them uh, has never been more imbalanced towards Maryland than it is right now. That's just that's just the way it is. And you know, Hopkins obviously still has some lacrosse to play. They get Penn State in the conference tournament in the quarterfinals on Saturday afternoon at Homewood. Uh, it'll be a great test to see how a group responds after 
really about as humiliating a defeat as they possibly could have endured. I can't fathom what you allude. To, I can't fathom that there's some sort of world in which like Peter Milliman's at risk just a couple years in, right? Like they, I, I got to think they've got they they're willing to give him time, right? Well, I, I do think this. For, for I think when you look at year one, anyway, like that was kind of a lost year, to right? With, right? Right? Like you, you you didn't get on the field with your players until until about New Year's or so. Uh, you played a conference-only schedule, and you played better towards the end of the season. You know that said, you can't be thrilled if you're Hopkins with being six and eight, with being a fourth-place team in your league, uh, and clearly that is not up to the standard uh, that Johns Hopkins has had. Not just not just Hopkins' traditional standard, but even the the, the standard that they've had in their Big Ten era when, frankly, they haven't been all that great right. overall. You know, right. I mean, let, let's not let's not kid ourselves. Uh, you know, Hopkins in the Big Ten era, they had the, the final four appearance in 15. Uh, but th- there's not much else to show for it, really, over the last six or seven seasons. So, uh, you know, there's obviously other factors at play there. The pandemic surely didn't help. Uh, and and I, I do think that there are some defensive limitations that Hopkins has had for several years that precede Peter Milliman being hired. Uh, but, you know, you're still looking at you know, a prestige program and a 10-17 and 17 record at this point over two seasons. That's going to make some people uneasy. And, and I do think that there's going to be a, a spotlight on Hopkins next season to see some sort of progress. Uh, I, I think that this... I think this season in aggregate has been better than last year in aggregate. I do think you could argue that last year was more promising just because that was a team that was playing better towards the end of the season and gave Maryland a couple really good runs uh, there in the last four or five games. Uh, Obviously a very big win for Navy on Saturday. Yes, and I think we talked about this a few weeks back after they lost to Loyola. You know what? What's going to constitute a successful season for Navy? And I think I said, well, if you beat Army, it's a successful season, right? And especially considering the rebuilding that was going to be done at the defensive end. And I would say right now, as you, as you stare at Navy and, you know, they go and they beat Army and they're sitting there and they're in the Patriot League tournament and they're eight and five. I think it's a successful season for them yeah. given the circumstances. And so, you know, you obviously want more. You'd, if you're a Navy fan, you'd love to see them respond to that performance with another one, a good one against Bucknell, and maybe even give yourself a fighting shot at a home game in the conference tournament. Um, but even if you don't, you still have those bragging rights against the Black Knights for another year. You sang second. And that, uh, I think that by itself uh, is something that you can hang your hat on if you're Nate. Anything else that stood out from you or that's important as we go into this coming weekend? Not particularly yeah. at this stage, I don't think. Right. Towson's in first place for another week. I mean that's and that's relevant, right? Like they have a real show, and, and they can they can clinch yep. the top seed in the CAA tournament with a victory over Hofstra on Saturday. Uh, you know, the, they're a game up on on four teams in that league. It's them at three and one, four teams at two and two, and then Hofstra's one and three. Uh, and so, you know, not that that not that they're in the at large picture or anything like that. It certainly wouldn't hurt to be able to at least uh, claim a regular season title, and it's it's. It's right in front of them for 60 minutes on Saturday. There you go. Yeah. All right, Patrick, it's time to play our game. Ken Patrick Stevens, name the MLB teams that this player has played for. 
Four-team guys. I'll give you a tricky one first, then a, a layup afterwards. Uh, we begin with a player that I did not realize played for four teams because in my life I could have never told you that there was a fourth team involved. He apparently was out of the league for a couple years and came back. Only an All-Star once. He did finish in the top ten of Cy Young voting in another year. He is pitcher Steve Avery. Steve Avery? Yes. There's there's four? There's four. I, your your reaction was the same as my reaction. I'm not sure I knew there were more than two. Oh, okay. I did. For some reason, I remember the third. I do not. I have no well, recollection. Let's, let's go ahead and acknowledge Atlanta. Of as course. Being, yep. As being one of those stops that he had. Um, You know, I'm trying to even remember if the, what the other ones were. I mean, it's... Uh, was he in Detroit? I have no... How in the world do you remember that one? That was the one where he came back after two years out of the league. No, sorry, three years out of baseball. And in 2003, he returned and pitched in 19 games for the Detroit Tigers. How do you remember that one, Patrick Stevens? I, I, I don't know. Um, am I vaguely remembering him in Tampa? Not in Tampa, no, but he definitely fits the bill of every player that ended up in Tampa at that yeah, point. And- was he in Boston? That's the one. That was the other one where he spent a couple of years. I don't know why, but I remember this one in 99. He spent a season in Cincinnati. He was a Red okay. in 99 for the entirety of that year. I cannot believe you got Detroit. Wow. All right. Well, I mean, you don't really need a layup, but we'll give it to you anyway. Um, this man, uh, prodigious slugger, a bit of a controversial figure uh, during his career. He was an all-star one, two, three, five times, a former league MVP and a regular in the top 20 of MVP voting. Four teams for Jason Giambi. Jason Giambi was an Oakland Athletic. Yep. And he was a New York Yankee. Yep. And he was a Cleveland Indian. Yep. And a Colorado Rock. There you go. Four for four on Jason Giambi. What's the schedule look like for you, sir? Still sort of sorting out that that Friday game. I, I, it might be Navy Bucknell, might be Loyola okay, Lehigh, yeah. and then Saturday I think I'm going to go see Hopkins Penn State in, the, in a matchup of two teams that uh, one of one of them their season is going to end before May, and, and that's obviously a disappointment for both. Of them. No question so, about that. Uh, those those I think are the are the two games for the weekend. Very good at Discourse D1 S Course is how you follow him on Twitter. Patrick Stevens, appreciate you, my friend. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. All right. Awesome. Take care. It's Patrick Stevens who joins us every week here on GCR to talk a little college sports. Whew, a lot going on today. It's been a busy day already. We'll we'll ease up a little bit on the other side of the break. Uh, today's show has also been brought to you by Glory Days Grill. The spring seasonal menu is available now at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. It includes the opener, the flash fried pork belly with the Korean number two sauce. I want to sing about it. Oh, it's so perfect. We'll go over to Glory Days Grill. I oh, know we got to do a thing at your school on Friday. I was going to say we could take a class field trip to Glory Days Grill, but we can't. I got to do that. I got to go over to Stevenson with Ken. I was there yesterday. I gave blood yesterday at Stevenson. I um, they did a Maddie Strong blood drive. I can't give blood. Why is that? Um, my we fam- talked about this last week. Did we? Mm-hmm. Did we? I don't remember that. My either. family lived in England when oh, mad cow disease so was it's relevant. So funny you say that. I had. Oh? Okay. I, like okay, I was so <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, right. <laughs> you got mad so cow disease. Funny. What an idiot. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got uh, this question really messed with me when I was like going to give blood. Hang on a second. Uh, it was 
Oh, damn it. I posted it, I too. I also hate needles, so I don't know if I could do that. What? Yeah. But, like, a certain type of needles, because obviously I have tattoos, so. Did you get uh, Did you get vaccinated? I did. How did that, how did that go? I cried. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Are you serious? I legitimately cried in Walmart. You can ask my mom. Wow. She held my hand while I went and did it. So you have to fill out all these questions when you give blood. This one was... Question number 30. From 1980 through 1996, did you spend more time than adds up to three months or more in the United Kingdom countries of England, Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales, the Isle of Man, the Channel Islands, Gibraltar, or the Falkland Islands? Yeah. I didn't even know all these places were real. 1998. <laughs> like, my sister's born in England. I did not even know these were all real places when I was doing this. I'm like, this is a riddle wrapped in a conundrum, wrapped in a, like, I got to do the math on this. The answer for me was no, I did not, so I was able to give blood. But uh, my my good friend Roger, um, I was the best man in his wedding. He was in he's was in the Air Force. He met his wife in the Air Force when he was stationed over in England, and he's been living there for like eight years now. She's from Iowa. He's from Maryland. They have a daughter. They both have American accents. Their daughter, 100% British accent. No way. No shot. Very interesting. There's no 100% way. 100% British. I asked him. He was. I was like, does your daughter have a British accent? He was like, yep. I thought That's it was like the so weirdest weird. thing to have this little five-year-old girl walking around her house. Pip, pip, cheerio. That's mm. not. I, That's that weird. That can't be right. <laughs> That's one of my best friend's dad is British, and her mom is American, obviously, and she doesn't have a slight accent, like nothing. That's so weird. So that just seems a bit odd to me. Know. Maybe she's just picking it maybe up from all of her friends. Yeah, maybe she it. listens to a lot of Oasis. Maybe she's Madonna and Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, and there's, a, faking. there's a lot of that. Okay. I somehow this started with me telling everybody about Glory Days Grill. <laughs> <laughs> I still need to go. <sighs> we got to get over there. We'll do that. We'll make it maybe an end of semester field uh, part field trip. I, don't, I, don't, okay. I like that. Um, anyway, you got to try the seasonal menu. As I mentioned, the opener, not only that, but the Crunch Burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips, as well as the baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, the grilled shrimp with garlic butter, a strawberry salmon salad, and more. Get your order in, glorydaysgrill.com. Come back in. We will discuss Ronnie Stanley. We'll discuss some of the topics we haven't gotten to. Cass has got a top five. That's all on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org the biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common you've heard them on jobbing out matt and nick jackson the young bucks thanks for having us man appreciate it the great kurt angle thanks for having me on the show i appreciate it matt riddle yeah man thanks man. the champ drew mcintyre oh thank you for having me the great ron simmons Damn. keith lee appreciate you guys having me man bill goldberg my pleasure charlotte thank you so much for having me mick foley is with us this is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion! Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at pressboxonline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud.
Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com stay tuned your chance to win a million dollars is coming up probably not from us you're listening to glenn clark radio coming up in about 22 minutes or so simply the bets we do it every tuesday morning 11 40 a.m our buddy aaron oster from out in vegas is going to join us. Uh, I was just checking the list that Paul provided. One of his more recent loser bets didn't indeed confirm as a loser bet. We'll talk about that uh, during Simply the Bets. Also, we'll check in with our buddy Leon Twyman, the assistant general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. That's all on the way. Simply the Bets coming up around 1140 this morning. All right, so uh, some news today. As I mentioned earlier on, uh, Mass and Ascending broadcasters back on the road. Good. That is a good thing. Should have been happening at the beginning of the season, but, you know, it's a good thing at the end of the day. That's all there is. It's a good thing. So I got nothing else to really say about it. I'm glad it's been fixed. I'm glad that the broadcasters will be on the road. The radio broadcasters should be on the road, too. Um... Our buddy uh, Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports was kind of asking this morning, like, why would you only send the TV guys back? And I, I, unfortunately, if I had to guess, the answer is probably because it's less embarrassing to find a radio clip. Like, we don't – radio broadcasts are never perfectly synced up with video. So when something goes awry, we don't share it on Twitter and say, hey, look at this terrible mistake that was made on the radio broadcast when it happens for the TV broadcast and you see the video happening at the same time as the audio, it looks worse. So it's very clear the Orioles want to save money. They they kind of can't get around that. That's the reason why this was happening. It obviously had nothing to do with COVID whatsoever. It was just about money. And it became an embarrassment to them that it it looked as bad as it did and everybody was talking about it on, on social media. Um, that's my guess. I don't know that. I'm just guessing that. And so they fixed it. I'm glad they did. Just in context of why they would send TV and not radio, right? Like if they were just, if it was just about doing the right thing, they would send everybody. But they're not doing that. 
They're only sending TV, and that makes it seem as though the answer was it looked bad, and it was easy to find errors and mistakes on social media, and so let's fix that and get the broadcasters back on out on the road. Now, they would also point out that technically Masson is its own uh, entity, even though it's owned by the Orioles. The, the decision makers are not the same decision makers as the decision makers for the radio broadcasts, and that's technically true. I don't believe that Masson would make a decision without the leadership of the Orioles being good with it. It is a weird, like, they walk hand in hand, but they are technically different thing. Like, so, for example, um, this decision from Masson also means the Nationals broadcasters go back out on the road um, because they make the decisions, whereas the Nationals as a team make their own decisions for radio and already had their broadcasters back out on the road. So... You know, it, it's a it's a what it is situation. I I think they should get the radio broadcasters back out on the road too. But this is a good step, so we'll take that. That's a good step. I like that. It always gives me pause for concern when I hear that they don't want to. They didn't want to send them the broadcast team out on the road to save money because then I worry how financially strapped is this team well, that that's how they're saving money. I I said you know keep in mind the. The answer could also be why send the why send this year's broadcasters out on the road. Mm. Like one of the things I said all along is like when we talked about hey signing one more pitcher, like the answer could just be like we know what this team is this year, let's not spend any more money. Mm-hmm. If we're going to spend money, why not spend it next year? Why not spend it in the future years when we think the team's going to be good? That it's less about being financially strapped as much as it's about being what is the point of spending any more money than we absolutely have to for what we don't think is a good team anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what is the benefit to spend more money on a bad baseball team? And I'm not saying that's a, a good way of doing business right. as much as it's a reasonable thought that can be had about how a team would do business. You know the team's going to be bad. You know there's not going to be quite as much interest in it. Why spend any more money at all? Mm-hmm. Now, somebody would say, well, you signed Jordan Lyles, right? Like, you didn't have to do that. I, I, I don't have a mathematical equation for the money they're willing to spend versus the money they're unwilling to spend. I don't know. I don't get to see their books. I don't get to see the decisions that they make. And and perhaps they would tell you, you know, they really would stand by the idea that this is a Masson thing. The decision was made by Masson and not by the Orioles. And I... You know, I can't tell say that that's definitely not the case. I can't. I don't have any proof of that. So, I don't know. I don't know. I I get what you're saying, Paul, and I. I certainly have had some of those thoughts myself mm-hmm. over the years. Like, if you don't have the money for th- how bad thing are things really? If this is what the problem is, I remember being at a radio station once where. I did not know at at one point. We used to have hosts fill in. We would call like um, local TV anchors and say, "Hey, you know, so and so is off on Monday. Would you come in and fill in from ten to 2? And I remember like the program director of that radio station saying, "Yeah, we can't do that anymore. We're just going to have the producers host the shows now." And I was like, "Huh? Okay, weird." And I remember one of the producers who was now going to have to be the fill-in host who actually didn't want to do it saying to me, dude, they don't pay the fill-in host that much. It's a minimal amount of money that they pay for mm-hmm. fill-in hosts. If we can't afford that, we got bigger problems. And I remember it like really struck me as to like, oh. 
oh, this isn't a great place for me to be right now. Right. Like, this is not necessarily where I want my career to be taking me because it's not. Now, that eventually kind of became industry standard, unfortunately, like within radio, and it's part of the the bigger picture problem that radio's had um, over the years and why radio has kind of killed itself um, in addition to the podcasts and things along those lines helping. But, yes, it lines up with your theory that if, if you can't afford this, what can you afford? Right. I, I certainly get the thought process. Ultimately, what I care about, I want to watch the games on TV. The broadcaster is going to be there. We can't get around that. That's a very good thing. It is. Ronnie Stanley. Um, so if you missed it yesterday in Rappaport, kind of out of nowhere, sent out a tweet related to Ronnie Stanley. And it was encouraging. It wasn't definitive in any way, but anything related to Ronnie Stanley at this point can look as being encouraging. Ian Rappaport said, Ravens All-Pro Offensive Tackle Ronnie Stanley received a medical checkup recently, and he's on pace to be ready for 2022, sources say. Stanley played just one game last year and then had another ankle surgery. He'll be monitored throughout the summer, but there is optimistic... Well, this is... He meant to say there's optimism. There is optimism. He'll be good to go. Rappaport followed up. The Ravens pick at number 14, and while they could go in several directions, the health of Ronnie Stanley could allow them to simply take the best player. And within seconds of Ian Rappaport tweeting this yesterday, instead of the majority of the Ravens fan base reacting and saying, great, the reaction was, huh, weird timing. Weird timing. And a percentage of the Ravens fan base was saying, this is a guarantee now that they're taking a tackle in round one. But the idea being that this was information that was planted by the Ravens with Ian Rappaport to try to throw people off the scent of the idea that they're interested in taking a tackle. What I would encourage you to do is to respond to the Ian Rappaport tweet like this. It's nothing. It means nothing. It doesn't tell you that the Ravens are taking a tackle. It doesn't tell you that the Ravens aren't taking a tackle. It essentially only reasonably corroborates what we probably could have thought would be the situation anyway. Read it again. Ravens All-Pro Offensive Tackle Ronnie Stanley received a medical checkup recently, and he's on pace to be ready for 2022. I mean, if Ronnie Stanley wasn't on pace to be ready for the start of 2022 there are far bigger problems and i get it there could be far bigger problems it could very well be that ronnie stanley just never played again and you go through serious injury and you miss this amount of time there's got to be at least a modicum of concern that you'll never play again but we didn't hear anything that made that seem likely so this was kind of how most of us were operating. Most of us were operating around the idea that we think Ronnie Stanley will be ready to play. The Ravens needed to do better than Alejandro Villanueva being their backup plan. And that still, I do think, lingers over this draft. Morgan Moses is a better right tackle option than Alejandro Villanueva was. But is he a good left tackle option? I don't... I don't feel as strongly about that. 
So the Ravens are still in a bind if there's any amount of doubt that Ronnie Stanley's available. They need somebody that would be able to play left tackle. Patrick McCary played well at right tackle. Could they give it a shot? I mean, they could. It's quite the risk to be taking. You could argue that no matter where they are health-wise with Ronnie Stanley, they don't really have a good backup left tackle option on the roster, and they need to come up with that anyway during the course of this draft. I treat it as nothing. That's how I respond to this report from Ian Rappaport. I file it away. It's there. But I don't immediately assume that it's them planting information. It's possible. The information also came from an agent. It's also possible that this just Ian Rappaport was having a conversation and said, hey, you know what? I haven't asked you about Ronnie Stanley in a while. What's going on there? And the answer is, well, we feel good about Ronnie Stanley. It's possible this isn't um, as seedy as you guys want to believe that it is, that this isn't the tinfoil hat stuff that you want to think that it is. Now, what's the difference between this year and last year? Oh, it's, D- it's, didn't he have surgery last year? Why wasn't he ready to go? That I mean, well, what's they, the difference? they thought he was. Remember, he, they put right. him out there, right? So like, how, how can we it, be as, conf- as confident this it's year? It's a fair question, Paul. And it all, all of these things are things that you got to file away as they make a decision. It's why a lot of people are still on board with Trevor Penning being the Ravens' first-round pick, or if Charles Cross falls, like he's the guy for them to draft. Because you can't make your assumptions based around a healthy Ronnie Stanley. There are plenty of people that still feel that way. I've got to prepare as though I don't think I have a healthy Ronnie Stanley. Mm-hmm. So I've got to have somebody that could step in and play tackle. The risk being, if you do have Ronnie Stanley, and you do have Morgan Moses, what are you doing with the guy you just took with the 14th pick in the draft? Are you playing him at left guard? Are you drafting a tackle and then saying, you're the left guard now? I mean, you, you can, I guess. Like, I'm, if it's somebody that's capable of playing guard, I, you could conceivably do that and say, that's, that's our emergency plan and there are worse scenarios in the world. Like, if that's the case, then maybe Morgan Moses is gone next season and you're sliding in that guy that you had play left guard to be your right tackle until Ronnie Stanley's gone. Like, I... That could be an option. I, I guess we're utterly dismissing Juwan James and all of this conversation. The guy that they literally put on the roster for a year to wait for this moment. We're just sort of saying he's a non-factor. And I get it. I don't know where Juwan James is either, so I can't tell you if he should be a factor or not. But I guess that would really be your backup left tackle plan. I am not pressed about left tackle because I've said all along, I don't know that this team can overcome losing Ronnie Stanley again anyway. My gut tells me if you have to use your first-round pick on a tackle and you don't have Ronnie Stanley again, given as much money as he soaks up on your salary cap, you're going to be really hard-pressed to figure out a path to winning a Super Bowl this season that doesn't involve Ronnie Stanley playing and playing at a reasonably high level. And I get that that doesn't mean that if you know Ronnie Stanley can't play, then you don't you just say, well, hey, we don't want anybody else to know that, so we're not going to draft a tackle, and surprise, Ronnie Stanley can't play. Like, I get that that's not a good way of doing business, but being practical about it, my gut tells me if you don't have Ronnie Stanley this season, you're not winning the Super Bowl anyway. As far as the cap is concerned and his cap hit, isn't there, like, an insurance policy? I mean, he got hurt the same not week related, he signed Not related the- to the cap. So There's, for, ca- for actual money, there can be. You can recoup 
insurance money, but the cap has no insurance. Like, injured players count against your cap always. He like, got, there's, like, no, like there's nothing they can do. because He got hurt the same yes, week he I'm signed a, the contract. I remember it quite well. No, there's not, not for the cap. Again, for real money, there are things that you can do. For at tangible dollars, you can get money back via insurance policies. But mm-hmm. for cap space, it's the same way that you can't get cap space back when, you know, somebody doesn't get vaccinated or somebody goes crazy or whatever. Like, you you signed the player. You took on all the risks. Mm-hmm. That's the way it works for the cap specifically. You don't get to get out of it because that person ended up being a bad guy or because that person ended up whatever. Breaking his ankle. You know, in this injury case. There's nothing you can do about it. Once right. you sign the player, the cap ramifications are what they are, that you're stuck with that. So, I don't know. I'm in a weird place. I I think they should draft a tackle. I don't think they shouldn't draft a tackle. I think they should. But I'm not pressed that it has to be with the 14th pick. And this does not I, I this I ignore I feel exactly the same way today as I felt yesterday with this information from Rapport. What are they supposed Rappaport. to say? Right? Like if they ask him if they're asked about it they say no he's doing terribly he's not going to play. Well, the question really becomes did they purposely they, like the real question right. is did they purposely try to feed something to someone because they're in on tackles because mm-hmm. their plan is to draft a tackle in the first round. And they want someone else to believe they're not in on that because they'd also like to be able to trade back and get their tackle, right? Like, that they like Trevor Penning, but they really like him around 19, mm-hmm. not around 14. So if they can put out there that, well, we don't need a tackle, could they trade back and prevent teams from trading in front of them or using the picks in front of them to take the guy that they like. Right. That's the, the the real question is is it is it part of a conspiracy? Did the Ravens plant this information to try to throw teams off the scent? And my answer back is maybe. Maybe they did. But I don't know that and I'm not making assumptions about that today. That's where I am. Cass does top five for us every Tuesday. Cass's top five is brought to you this week by the print issue of Pressbox. We were talking about Adley Rutschman with Cal Ripken a little bit earlier on. You can find that print issue right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox or read it, pressboxonline.com. Great cover story from Luke Jackson all about the former number one overall pick, Adley Rutschman. Go get it today. Cass, what's your top five about this week? Okay, so I was talking to my friends the other day, and I told them there's this like cast bragging. She's got friends. Like, what's that feel like? Must be one nice. Friend. Must be nice. I just add it plural to make myself sound a little All better. Right. Anyway, my one friend I was talking to, we were like, "Oh, let's go to this music festival," but it's during soccer season, so we was, it, was it Coachella? No, absolutely not. Um, so we were like, "Oh, it's during soccer season." Can't what's do the festival? It. It's a it's a country music festival. Oh, okay. And so. I was like, okay, it's fine. Like we won't But like go. good Wait, country Coachella? Yeah. Is it like country music? No, no. no, no. I was going to say I didn't that, that's that's no only way. for what's influencers. So what's like, the what's the country like what's I'd the country ever. music festival? Oh my gosh, I'm trying to think of the And where name. is it? It's it just popped up. We just saw it. Like I literally would have to But is it around here or is it Um, I don't think so. Oh, okay. It literally All just right. popped up. We just saw it. That's There's a festival they announced for Kentucky this year that's the greatest lineup I've ever seen for a festival in the history of festivals. I swear to God. I want to, but I don't, I mean, Not with my jobs. For four days. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's an option for me. And then June 22nd, obviously, I get to see Motley Crue. <laughs> and so I was thinking, I was like, okay, what would be the top five, which I also have like a bonus because I had I had to. I couldn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't fit it, stop it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. 
I couldn't. All right, fine. I get to the point. To, okay. Get to the point. The point is, I did top five like people I have to see, like bucket list before I die. Musical acts that you <laughs> yeah, need to see. Yes, exactly. For example, Paul McCartney was Paul McCartney and the Stones are the top two on my list. I'm going to knock one of them off this summer. Okay, I'm running out of time for the it's Stones. An opinion. Anyway, um, she's calling me an old man. Is what she's <laughs> doing there. Saying. She's I saying you're an Paul old. McCartney. She's obsessed with Motley Crue, and she's she's got it. You know, we, we don't have time for this. Screw, we don't screw have time. the things you like. We don't man. have time for this. <laughs> Okay, at number five, I want to see Tyler Ch- Childer. I mean, Tyler Childers is outstanding. I always uh, say Childer, but I don't. I don't Childer. By the way, I think it's Childers, but it might be Childers. I don't actually don't. don't that's know. the funny part. I don't know that. Sure. Um, saw him with Willie Nelson uh, at Merriweather last fall. Mm-hmm. Who's an emergency replacement? Sturgill Simpson lost his voice the week before the show, or like the night before the show, or something like that. And you get this email, and I was heartbroken because I, all I got an email that said, "Unfortunately, Sturgill Simpson can't play." I'm like. Because it was part of why I was so excited about the show, right. right? And then the next paragraph is, but thankfully Tyler Childers or Tyler Chowder is going to fill in for him. I'm like, holy crap! Uh, jealous. He's incredible. Whatever. He's incredible. This house is mighty cold. And that also that also tied with um, it's like a British singer. Her name, well, the band's called Tones and I. So I tied that one for okay. five. It's for, so good. All right. Okay. Well, Fine. I'll believe you, but you made fun of no, no, you made fun of Paul McCartney. I don't believe you about anything. Okay. Well, you like that girl from I, Fifth Harmony, so I don't want to hear it. I like her song. Yeah, Cass. the one song that is it's outstanding. Terrible. Anyway, four would be ABBA if I could listen, see them in concert. I don't know that I would want it at this point. I don't know. I would just have to know what they sound like. Like ABBA has hit after hit after hit. Dude, I would sing along to Waterloo for the rest of my life. Waterloo is like a jam. It's classic karaoke hits right there. I just don't know what they sound like at this point and like the event is not as important to me. Mm-hmm. Like I know the Stones aren't going to sound like the Stones, but it's the event, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um a lot of people went and saw Hall and Oates last summer were like, yeah, it's starting to go. Like, Daryl's starting to lose the voice a little bit. And that's what made Hall and Oates so great. So I don't. I would have to know about what they would sound like in order okay. for me to be interested. I'm just a huge Mamma Mia fan. So... Yeah, of course. That's that's why you know Abba. Dancing Of course queen. that's the go case. To. Or Abba. Abba. Yeah. Whatever. Dude, Waterloo, however. people Waterloo's make. Good. I feel like Abba's an easy thing to make fun of because like you think of Dancing Queen and you think of like mm-hmm. solid gold pop. I'm telling you, Waterloo jam and a half. That no, I don't good. care who I you are. It. That song kicks ass. I can sing every song from Mamma Mia. Any Abba course, song I can sing. All right, number three. Number three is Fleetwood Mac. I was just I was heartbroken because my father and I decided we we're gonna go see them when they got back together the last time and then like I wanna say within a couple of weeks one of them was already off the tour. And I was like, look, I love, I love all of them individually. I love Stevie. I love Lindsey Buckingham. I love, I just, Stevie. I need to, uh, s- I need to see them together for it to have the same value uh-huh. for me. Okay. So. Number two would be Billy Joel. Uh, I mean, I've seen Billy Joel a lot. Okay. It's, rub it in. No, I mean, look, th- th- the thing about <laughs> seeing Billy Joel anymore is like, you're kind of, you're getting what you're getting, but you love what you're getting. Like, you're not going to be stunned or surprised by anything Billy Joel does in concert, Billy Joel. but it's an evening with William Joel singing his hits. Like. Yeah. What more could you possibly ask for in I life? Know. That's so good. It's, Love Billy Joel. It it is. I, I went. I didn't go to the baseball stadium show because I was on vacation. I did the the when he played the football stadium a few years back. Um, I seen him at Madison Square Garden as part of his um, residency there. I've seen him. I've seen Billy Joel now. I remember like when he came out of hiding after all those years. I remember my buddy and I so desperately needing to see him in Philadelphia that we spent, I want to say, like $500 on a ticket. 
And then he just decided to constantly play shows. It's been like 15 years and he's just played show mm-hmm. after show after show after show. Yeah. Whereas when I was young, like he did not play at all. Like he was just sort of a recluse and never right. played shows. So I regret how much money I spent on the first one <laughs> because it was not necessary. <laughs> there are going to be a lot of opportunities to see Billy Joel after I will that. see him one day. I mean, you should. You Have should. soon yes, though, I should. feel like. Yeah. And then number one would be the current Miley Cyrus. Wh- what? I love Miley Cyrus. But what do you mean by the current Miley Cyrus? Not kids pop Miley Cyrus. Not like, like okay, first of all. But like when she's trying I to be went, like I Debbie Hannah, Harry or whatever? Like she's like the icon now of like, I think she is. I think she like embodies classic rock for like This is a weird a bit. This is such a weird bit to me. You always say that about this is a everything weird I do. No, it's not about you. It's about the, like the whole thing with really? Miley Cyrus. I, first of all, I'm the wrong person. I think Miley Cyrus is like the fifth best of the pop stars of that era. She's not a pop I I think star. Katy Perry is far better. I think Lady Gaga what? is far better. What? Like, okay, Lady Gaga's are. great. Lady Gaga's an icon. We love like, Lady Gaga, but I think like she's me, not on your top five. No, I mean no, but like, would I love to go see Poker Face? Like, I would like to see Lady Gaga and her before, like and her before. And her you know before. what I'm saying? What not does like, that mean? Like her prime, like the Poker Face. Do you think she's, uh, she's bad a, romance? She's like, like in her thirties. You think she's out right. of her prime? No, Younger but than Glenn like, and I. Yes, no, for sure. But like, long, think of younger. like. Lady Gaga, you think of those there that was, music? She wanted to wear a meat dress. Is that what you're looking there for? Was a there meat dress. <laughs> she wore the meat dress. There yeah, was I a do. point where I thought that Lady Gaga was gonna pass what Madonna did at the height of her popularity. Mm. I love Lady Gaga. I think Rihanna's higher on the list. I just think Ew, that my I think no, Miley I Cyrus know. is me too. Fine. Thank you. I think Miley Cyrus. Stop. Have is you no- fine? No. Listen, Glenn. Okay. Uh huh. Listen to me right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I dressed up as Hannah Montana, I think, four years. Yeah. And I'm blonde, okay? And uh-huh. I had bangs uh-huh. when I dressed up as her. Yeah. But did I wear a wig? Hell yeah, I wore uh-huh. a wig. I had to, because you're not Hannah Montana yeah, if you're not n- wearing a wig. Hannah Montana right? means nothing to right. me. Right. But I grew up on Hannah Montana. Loved Hannah Montana. Right. That's I get that. Then Miley went through a little weird, like, let me cut my hair and they foam finger and weird bit. And I wasn't into it. So I kind of faded off on the Miley Cyrus wave. But then when she started doing like what her voice is really made for, which is like that classic rock, yes. kind of Stevie Nicks she's, kind of like. She's, and, but she did like a whole record of covers of like classic rock and songs. And it was And I gorgeous. think she's talented. But if I, went and, if I went and saw her, I am not, I do not feel the way that other people feel about like Party in the USA. Mm. I think that song is fine. Does she still play that? I would. I mean, if you were paying money to go see Miley Cyrus and she doesn't play her biggest hit of all time, I, I think like that would be a does big problem. Um, like, Maybe I just put something out beforehand. Like, I don't play this anymore. Yeah, I would probably want to let people know before <laughs> they show up and they're like, "Hey, uh, that, <laughs> what happened there?" I think Wrecking Ball is fine. Like, I think some of her hits are. Fi- I, I I'm just, not even talking about that music. I'm talking about the now. How she how she just she wants to be a now. classic rocker. I get it. I get it. Wants right. to be. That sounds like you're calling. But her she's a not wannabe. actually a classic rocker. Right. But like, cats. okay. She's but, not actually an '80s metal singer. Okay, but like, I'm saying nowadays music isn't like that anymore, and like that's what I hate is because if I could go back in time, yeah, I'd I'm, love to be in classic rock time, right. but it's not there. So like, it's nice for me who enjoys that kind of music to have someone okay. that embodies okay. that. You know okay. what I mean? All right. You know what? You've actually kind of made this make sense in a weird Thank way. Thank you. In a weird way, you've kind of made it make sense. Like, Because okay. Miley Cyrus's pop music to me is just fine. And I like pop music. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of really good pop music. And I can't believe the way you reacted to Katy Perry because she makes great pop music. No, I love, I like Katy Perry. But she's a little bit 
on the side. Like she just rubs me the wrong way. I don't know what that means. You just made a noise. I'm not really sure what that noise means. She's just all right. We got to we got to wrap up because we got a show to do. Just weird. Good good top five. Thank you. Good top five cast. All right, tidbit brought to you today by this one's brought to you by the Baltimore Police who are still looking for folks. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good, bpdrecruit.org. All right, so we had Cal Ripken on the show earlier today. Did Ob- we? I had forgotten. Obviously, me too. Um, obviously, and one of the things I can't stand when people talk about Cal Ripken is that they say he wouldn't be a Hall of Famer if not for the 2,632 consecutive games. And that oh, is definitely not true. a bunch of hogwash. He's arguably the, one of the greatest three or four shortstops to ever play. Um, We're talking over 3,000 hits, over 400 home runs. Uh, He had 8,264 consecutive innings played at one point in his career. Nobody's touching that. He's a two-time MVP, two-time Gold Glove Award winner, a Rookie of the Year. Calvin was 100% a Hall of Famer. And despite that, despite his 432 home runs, which are also the most by shortstop, of all time, mm-hmm. and the most in Orioles history. That's why there was a seat recognizing that. And, we're, and with us talking about the 30-year anniversary of Camden Yards, Cal is not even in the top five for home runs hit at Camden Yards, well, I mean, despite having played there for 10 I, years. I hear you, but he still played a lot of his career at Memorial Stadium. Right. Like he still played the first decade of his career there. But if you figure you play 10 years and you average about 20 to 25 home runs, you can hit over 100 home runs at Camden Yards. You. And right. he is not on that list. There are, you'll excuse me for just a moment, there Mm -hmm. are five players in Orioles history who have hit 90 or more home runs at Camden Yards. i to try to do this quickly. Uh, Jones. Number one, 146. Uh, Davis. Number two, 142. Uh, Palmero. Number three, 124. (sighs) That's when it gets tough. Easy over there. Let's cast cast him. I'm getting the... She loves Camden Yards home runs, apparently. Cass is... (laughs) Uh, uh, God, I'm going to end up guessing at this point because those are the only ones that I knew. Um, I'll say uh, Machado somehow. Manny Machado, number four, okay. 100. And number five is... Oh, God. I, I really don't. Uh, I BJ Serhoff. No, I thought you were going to get no, five, all I five. Don't. Melvin Mora. No. All right, just tell me because it's 11 Brady Anderson. Damn it. Oh, my God. Why did I? 91. Mm. That's a big miss. Loser. I, I really thought that you were going to get a all five miss. in a row in order. That's a big miss, man. Uh, you know what? If I had thought of Brady, I would have guessed him before Manny, though. So I would have guessed Brady for Manny five. So uh, That's a big miss. If I had more time, I might, I would have I would have thought it through. Excuses. All right, here's what's coming up totally tubular-wise. Mass and Orioles, Yankees, 7 o'clock. With the broadcasters at the game. Neat thought. Jordan, Jordan Lyles, Luis Severino, pitching matchup. Mass and two, Marlins Nationals at 7. TBS Mets Cardinals, 7.30. Did you see what the Mets did in the ninth inning last night? I did not. It was wild. You should, you I'm going to take a look. later. Dodgers Diamondbacks, 9.30 on MLB Network. Big Ten Network Plus, Navy Maryland Baseball, 6.30. TNT, Game 5 for the T-Wolves and Grizzlies at 7.30. Pelican Suns, Game 5 at 10. NBA TV, Hawks Heat, Game 5 at 7. NBC Sports Washington, Islanders Capitals at 7. ESPN, Oilers Penguins at 7. Blues Avalanche at 9.30. CBS Champions League. We're coming down the home stretch. Man City, Real Madrid at 
at 3 o'clock, USA Network, WWE. Uh, it's not SmackDown. It's NXT tonight at 8. Some non-sports highlights, quickly. Um, your favorite, Mr. Mayor, at 8.30. And then uh, David Spade has a new comedy special, Nothing Personal, which I can't imagine will be good. But it's on Netflix tonight. Well, I still like David Spade. His show when he added it, it was on Comedy Central, was pretty good. Yeah, but his stand-up, I have, n- I have never laughed once at any yeah, he's not Okay, he's not a great stand-up guy. But I'm telling you, that show was incorporated a lot of stand-up, and it worked. Like mm. it, was, it was a late-night kind of show. It was pretty good. All right, thanks today to Cal Ripken. Thanks to Tori Smith. Thanks to Patrick Stevens. We'll get it up in the Greatest Hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Tomorrow on the program, uh, we'll go to Bowie. Dylan Harris writes. Yes. Is who's joining us. If you didn't I, see. I, it hasn't been confirmed, but I, he's. Not only sure. is he like one of the hottest hitters on the planet, uh, and I, this guy I'd never heard of two weeks ago, um, he also made the absolute most ridiculous throw I've ever seen in my entire life over the weekend. We'll talk to him about that. Drew is going to join us, stuff and things tomorrow on the program. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great Eights Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Cass, you're on social media where? Uh, Instagram, Cassidy underscore Elizabeth22, and then Twitter, CassidyButler5. And, of course, at Glenn Clark Radio for us on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks to Paul at Paul Valley the Third. Thanks to Ryan at Rexpex Ryan. Have a great Thursday night. Go Birds. Uh, Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too. When we come back in, if you're with us on video, give us a refresh. We'll be back in one minute. If you're with us on audio, do nothing. Simply the Bets is next. Welcome in to Simply the Bets, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. I'm Glenn Clark. He's Paul Valley. We'll check in with Leon Twyman, assistant GM of the FanDuel Sportsbook here in just a bit. And coming up in just one moment, our buddy Aaron Oster from out in Vegas at VEASAN will uh, let us know what you need to know before we are just two days away from the NFL draft. Oh, my word. Holy smokes. Very exciting night ahead. And speaking of that, this is your final call. You have 10 minutes to go to pressboxonline.com contests. If you're listening to this later or watching this later, you do not have 10 minutes. You missed your chance. If you're watching or listening live, go right now, pressboxonline.com contests, and you can register to win a VIP experience in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel for the NFL Draft on Thursday night. you got to go right now because we're picking a winner in 10 minutes. So now go do it. Sign up. You and three of your friends will get a reserve table, $300 tab. The NFL chicks, Sarita Hubbard and I, are going to be there. We'll be hanging out. we got great giveaways, courtesy of Great Eights memorabilia. Going to be a day or a night, really. You want to be there? Sign up. This is it. Last call. Register to win at pressboxonline.com slash contest for that VIP experience. If you don't win, we still encourage you to come out and join us, hang out, guarantee your spot, reserve a spot by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com and be with us Thursday night for the NFL Draft where you can win great prizes from Great Eights memorabilia. Let's head out to Vegas. He is our buddy, Aaron Oster from VEASAN. He's with us now here on Simply the Bets. What's going on, pal? 
Oh, you know, and that uh, final blitz to add to my entire increasingly growing uh, NFL draft pool before Thursday. Uh, how many how many tickets do you currently hold for NFL draft bets? Um, it might be a little lower than you. I only have 20 at the Actually, moment. would have expected far more. It's a lot more than the average person, of course, but <laughs> it, it is definitely less than um, I expected it to be. I thought the number was going to have three digits when we asked that yeah. question. But believe me, there there are times I, I thought it might be, and then you know, just in the past 24 hours, I've had a few times. You know, I've been talking for weeks now about how you have to get on the tickets immediately because they can move in an instant. Yep. In the past 24 hours, I've had two bets that, like, I planned on making. I, for whatever reason, didn't have the app. Had to drive across town, and as I was driving, the odds shifted on me. All right. So, so, so give me. It, it, Separated from anything that might be included in five L's this week, the yep. best advice that you have, generically, specifically, whatever, for anyone who wants to get some bets in over the course of the next day or two for the NFL draft. Um, I would say, you know, of course, study the timeline. As soon as some, you know, someone puts out a mock draft, the lines move. You know, kind of narrow in on what you're looking for, and then. It, it all, first of all, it depends on your jurisdiction. If you're in Vegas, do not wait. Go out now. Odds go off the board Wednesday night. Because in, in Nevada, you have 24 hours. So know your jurisdiction. Know what you're doing. Uh, that, so that's a big one. Obviously, other places, you'll have live betting throughout the draft. So if you do that, know that. Pay attention to all the timelines. Get beat reporters up from all of your teams. All, but not all of your teams. All the teams, period, up. And kind of be focusing on that. That's the best advice I can give. As far as specific plays, not including ones in my five L's that mm-hmm. I was just looking and that I like, uh, they include Brees Hall under 40.5, Christian Watson under 39.5, uh, Arnold Ebikidi, uh minus 115 to go top 32, Tyler Linderbaum over 28.5. I also like two specific team position plays, which is Steelers to take a quarterback at my, with their first pick at minus 125, and Saints to go offensive line with their first pick at plus 300. Boy, that's – you don't think the Saints are still going to draft a quarterback, huh? No, I do. I just don't necessarily know it's, it's going to be, be with their the first, first pick. pick. All right. They have two picks, and I think there's a chance they try to package up and go into the top ten. Interesting. To get an offensive line. Very interesting. All right, so that's good advice. Uh, I can tell you um, last week you hit on uh, there being a first inning run. This is one of the more ridiculous hits in the <laughs> history of betting. <laughs> Aaron, his suggestion, his local bet last week, was to bet on a first-inning run in the Orioles-Athletics game. Yes. The Baltimore Orioles, at that point, had scored, Aaron, how many first-inning runs for the season? Zero. Zero. Yes. Aaron hit on a first-inning run, the initial first-inning run, the Baltimore Orioles scored all effing year. There you go. You just got to listen. You just got to believe in the do theory. And you know what? And you get a little lucky because I thought the athletics would be the one to score, and the Orioles did. And that's the fun that there is with the first inning run play. Also, I have more good news for you. Uh, one of your loser bets has now officially paid off as well as uh, in the past you had said, do not bet the Nets plus 290 to win the Eastern yeah. Conference. You could have said, don't bet them to win a single playoff game. And you would have done even better than that. Uh, But that ends up uh, proving to be the case. So we will continue to try to monitor some of those past bets that you have given us. Let's get into the five L's for this week. 
Uh, Aaron Oster from VEASAN out in Vegas. We begin. What is this week's local bets? Well, this will, with the exception of the long-term play, this will be an entire NFL draft of five L's. So locally, I will look at the Ravens draft. And, um, you know, as I mentioned before, uh, FanDuel does have the what position will the first pick be. And uh, for the Ravens, they don't have an odds-on favorite. The favorite is the play I like, which is defensive line yep. plus 190, which I think is pretty good value right there. Obviously, a player could slip, and, you know, if, if the Derek Stingley happens to be there, maybe they go a different direction. But when you look at the possible, uh, the likely prospects to be there at 14, and obviously a trade up or down could affect this. But it's a lot of defensive linemen. It's maybe they're hoping Jermaine Johnson falls. And by the way, we, and we do need to, we need to step in and clarify. Fandle does not offer like an edge rush option here. So to your point, D line slash edge is so, actually the so play. Jermaine yeah. Johnson does not count as a linebacker. He counts as a defensive lineman. Correct. So if you if that's the guy that you think is the guy, it would play off as a defensive lineman the same way that Jordan Davis, who plays a different position, would also pay off as a defensive lineman. Correct, and that's why I really like this play. Um, D-line edge rushers together. So, yeah, like maybe Singling Falls, that seems increasingly unlikely unless they trade up for him. Maybe they look at Kyle Hamilton. But if they stay at 14... It, it, to me, it feels like a Johnson or a Davis, maybe even a George Karloftis if they reach a little bit, yeah. if they really like him. And if this was, you know, a minus 120 play, I'm not nearly as excited about it. But because it's plus 190, because that's about, you know, a 40, uh, 38% value, I think it's a greater 38% chance that the Ravens go uh, defensive line edge rusher with their first pick. So I really like that at plus 190. So you and I agree on this one. The only caveat, like I am a little bit, as I talked about earlier in the show, I, I don't know at all what to make of the Ian Rappaport thing yesterday, suddenly coming out and, and talking about Ronnie Stanley. And there is a lot of conspiracy theory that that's the Ravens trying to plant a smoke screen because they really are in on tackle at 14. And, you know, it's, it's plausible, right? I can't dismiss it. It's sure. definitely a possibility. But... I would still be with you. I think that defensive line should be the favorite, and I had said before, actually, if you follow uh, Live Casino and Hotel on social media, I I have said I am making that bet as well. So I am in agreement on that. I, the, the other thing is if you assume that they stay at 14, what offensive linemen are they taking there? Obviously, well, if Charles Cross were to slide, yeah, right? If yeah. Charles, yes, if he drops, yes, I could potentially see that. But I don't see them reaching for a, a Penning or a Linderbaum or someone like that. Yep. All right, so that's the local. Let's go to long shot next. What is the underdog bet that you like? Uh, well, we're actually going to go uh, down 95 there, and this is another team position play, and it's one that I don't totally understand. It's, it's a long shot because of the odds given, but I don't think it's nearly a long shot that it is. That's the Washington Commanders to take a safety at plus 650. Wow. Uh, a lot of people yeah. think they like Kyle Hamilton. <laughs> Exactly. That one um, really stunned me when I saw that. It's not like that on other sites. Um, Kyle Hamilton, I think, absolutely is in play. I think that it's not, he's not necessarily their first pl- choice. I think they absolutely could end up going wide receiver when all is said and done. But Kyle Hamilton is absolutely a viable pick there. I think he's at least a 25% chance that they take him which would be 3-1, to one, not plus 650. I think the plus 650 is way, way too much. I, again, 
I'd run out there and make that bet right now because I think it's a very decent chance that Kyle Hamilton ends up as a commander. I guess there's the possibility that they're just going wide receiver, right? Like that. that yes. Yeah, it's like it's already been determined. They're, no, come hell or high water, they're taking whatever wide receiver is there. But yeah, man, you know, I'm, I hear you. I hear you. All right, uh, Aaron Oster from Visa Mountain Vegas with his five L's for the week. So this one, I guess, will not be about the NFL draft. Give me your long-term, your your futures bet for the week. Uh, I'm going to go with the NBA here, and it's it's not exactly the flashiest bet, but uh, I like it. It's plus 600 for a Celtics Warriors NBA Finals. I'm kind of conceding the Suns thing right now. Um, you know, I mentioned how much I like the Celtics several weeks ago. I think I even gave it out as a futures play as the Celtics to win the Eastern Conference, and that hasn't changed. And Obviously, with the injuries to the Sun, Warriors have become you know, the team to like in the West. And the real reason I like this bet is really because of the number. When you combine the Celtics, and normally when you see these kind of uh, fixed parlays, if you will, you're getting a worse number than you would get if you just kind of put money down on both of them and kind of forced your own parlay in there. That's not the case in this one. If you combine the odds for the Celtics, uh, and Warriors to win their respective conferences, that should net you plus 570. So getting plus 600 is actually getting you an extra 30 cents. Interesting. And, you know, it, it's not it's not a big deal, but an extra 30 cents is nice. So, yeah, Celtics-Warriors NBA Finals is plus 600 right now. I take it for my long-term play. Um, you know, okay, I'll give you the issue that I have with this, is I know you're dismissing the Suns, and I get it. I completely get it. That being said... If they survive and get Devin Booker back, they are a serious threat. They are, like, I I kind of did this, I think, with Andrew Stecker the other night. Um, What the Suns are with versus without Devin Booker is drastic. There are a lot of people that are like, hey, this points out bigger problems with the Suns. No, it doesn't. This is what would happen to the Warriors if they lost Steph Curry. Like, this is the NBA. You lose this one player, this is who you are. Now, somebody would say, hey, the the Mavericks didn't look like this when they didn't have Luka Doncic. Well, we didn't know how good Jalen Brunson was capable of being. Um, The Suns don't have a Jalen Brunson. There's nobody on their roster that can do this. So there is a chance they lose this series. I mean, there's a real chance they lose this series. Um, I still don't, I wouldn't bet that at the moment. Like, if a gun to my head, i got to bet one way or the other. And if they don't lose the series, there is a time frame where they can get Devin Booker back and be the Suns again. So I'm, that's the part of this that's struggling with. And, you know, I, I've had people make the argument that now, and well, you saw how good they look last night, now that the Mavericks know what Jalen Brunson is, like, <laughs> I think the Mavericks are a completely different team than what we thought they were because out of nowhere, they've added an all-star caliber player to their roster. It just so happens to be a guy that was already on their roster we just didn't know was this thing. So I think the Mavericks are actually more compelling than people are giving them credit for because we don't see, we've never seen anything like this where a team, like we can compare it to Jordan Poole. We've known Jordan Poole was really good for months at this point. Like we knew that Jordan Poole was a thing. We had no clue what Jalen Brunson was when these playoffs began. And all of a sudden we got to realize like they have two serious options in Dallas. They're a legitimate threat to me. I, I absolutely agree. I like I like the Mavericks. And if you want like Celtics Mavericks, you want to play the same bet. That's sixteen to one oh. at FanDuel. That oh. might not be a bad. Oh, that is kind of right juicy, there. isn't it? That is kind of juicy. Yeah. Oh. Um, the other thing, as far as the Suns go, by the way, is simply you know I've been talking up the Suns since really we started this segment. So you know 
if you've been following me, you have a little bit of portfolio in the Suns. Right. This is potentially a way to get off if you are a little bit worried. Okay. Yeah, and look, I don't, and I don't blame anybody for being worried about the Suns at all. Like, they cannot, if they don't have Devin Booker, they, they, might, they might not beat the Pelicans. And also part of that is the Pelicans are far better than your typical team that ends up in as an eight seed because they were terrible to start the season. And then they added C.J. McCollum, and they've been very good for some time. They're just the totality of their record was abysmal because of what happened at the beginning of the year. All right, um, now uh, Aaron, the let's go with the loser bet, the one that you say whatever you do, do not make this bet. Yeah, this one actually just moved, so while I still think it's slightly less of a loser than it was just a few minutes ago, and uh, that's right now, Kayvon Thibodeau is plus one forty to go top three. Um, Look, based on what we've been hearing over the past 24 to 48 hours, we think that it's Trayvon Walker going number one. Yep. That's going to cause a major change to anybody's top three, which might have included Kayvon Thibodeau before. But if we're, even if we're assuming, okay, maybe it's not Trayvon Walker, there is no chance that Kayvon Thibodeau goes number one. I don't think there's any chance Kayvon Thibodeau goes number three, because I really think that Lovey is looking at Probably secondary, honestly, maybe offensive line. So you're looking at number two. Right now, I think if it's Trayvon Walker, I'd be stunned if the Lions did anything, but rush up to the podium and keep the Michigan man in Detroit. Uh, But if you do think that's Kayvon Thibodeau, well, you can get him at plus 250 to go number two. So I don't know where this plus 140 to go top three is, because, again, I think the only spot he can land is at that number two position. I think it's a bad bet. I, I don't think he goes number three anyways. If you do think he goes number three, I'll just play him plus 250 to go number two. Um, and I actually think that you could see a little bit of a drop for Thibodeau on uh, draft. I'm, uh, I'm in favor of that for the record. <laughs> I, that sounds uh, enticing to your boy who uh, would, uh, would like that fit in Baltimore quite a bit. All right, and the bet that you love, the bet that you say, whatever you do, race, walk, whatever you, whatever you have to do, hitchhike with someone who looks like a serial murderer in order to get to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland in order to make this bet. Um, this is one that I've been waiting for a week to make out here in Las Vegas, and no one's giving me exactly what I want. But luckily, you guys out there in Maryland have this bet available. We're just, we're just better than you, Aaron. You just got to do I, it. Apparently. Yeah. Absolutely. We're, we're better than um, you, and you know it. That's the thing. Know, I just I, I just came up with that. It's, it's really, really clever. Yeah, you should uh, trademark that. I should. I should look into it. And then use that money to go uh, bet on this bet, <laughs> which is uh, Esmond Ritter minus 30, 135 to go top 32, just to go in the first round. Uh, more and more, I'm hearing that there are teams in the back of the draft, including maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers, who really, really love Desmond Ritter. Uh, I don't think he makes it out. I think that the Lions potentially could take him in that 30-second spot. I think there's teams that could trade back into the first round to take him. I think the Titans could take him, honestly, at, uh, I believe that's 26. Um, there are a number of teams towards the back, I think. And I just, the more I look at it, I just find almost no way that he makes it out of the end of the first round. You're going to see his over-under uh, around, including fun, uh, at uh, FanDuel, at like 30.5, 31.5. But I really want that 32nd 30, spot because the Lions are sitting there, because I think the Lions very well could take a quarterback with that 32nd pick. 
So I'm good with laying the extra juice, paying minus 135 for Desmond Ritter. All to right. The top 32. There you go. Those are your five L's. Paul's going to post them up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter if you missed any of them. Aaron, what is the plans this week for the, the VEASAN crew in relation to the NFL draft? Of course, we're going to be doing some uh, NFL draft coverage, obviously. You know, you want to go down to Maryland Live. You want to hang out with you. But if you're not, there's no better place to go than VEASAN. Check that out. We will have live coverage both Thursday night and Friday night from across Vegas. We'll be at the South Point. We'll be at the Circa. And you might have some special guests joining us throughout the way, some uh, big names, if you will. So make sure to check that out at VEASANVEASAN.com. Very good. At the A. Oster on Twitter as well as how you follow him. Aaron Oster, appreciate you, my friend. We will talk to you again next Tuesday. Good luck this week. Good luck. Can't wait for Thursday. Oh, it's going to be exciting. Thanks, buddy. Aaron Oster joining us here on Simply the Bets from out in Vegas to get us ready for the NFL Draft. When we come back in, we'll come a little bit closer to home. Leon Twyman is the assistant general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. He will let us know what it is that we need to know for those of you that are headed down to try to bet on the draft this week. That's next. This is Simply the Bets. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org That first sip That first bite Mmm Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms breakfast is available day and night It's the freshest breakfast in the world Real fresh, real fast Royal Farms Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. Baseball is back. I'm Paul Valley. And I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball. Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. That's the bat around live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. 
If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on Simply the Bets. Glenn Clark, Paul Valley with you. It's all brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Where we're going to be on Thursday night, our friends at Great 8's Memorabilia are joining us. Uh, they will have some tremendous autograph memorabilia to give away. The NFL chick Sarita Hubbard is going to be hanging out with me as we will be reacting with you during the draft. We'll also have on the side uh, screens the NBA playoff games will be up so we can watch those and bet on those as well. So it's going to be an awesome night hanging out in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Where we're going to see our next guest, he of course is the assistant general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. He is our buddy, Mr. Leon Twyman, and he's back with us now here on Simply the Bets. What's going on, Leon? How are you, bud? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Everything is all right, my friend. It is a big week. I know people want to get down to the FanDuel Sportsbook like today, tomorrow, to get your bets in ahead of the NFL draft, and then just sit back at home if you if you can't join us Thursday night and. You know, look at your tickets and and enjoy what you're cashing in. My God, th- again, this feels like the Super Bowl with all of the various props that you guys have available for the draft. Yes, um, there's definitely a lot available there, and people are definitely getting excited for it. So we've been seeing some bets come in. Um, it's definitely going to be a big hit. You have any in particular that is, if you've looked at all of these props, is there any one that you're like, wow, that one is really fascinating to me for whatever reason? Uh, you know, honestly, what I've been seeing, because a lot of people are, are betting it, is just, you know, which team is going to draft which player in which position. Um, that That's, like, the most popular right now. Okay. So I, is it something that, like, are, is it local bettors that you get the most action from, or is it, like, indiscriminate? Do you get as much, like, action on, like, say, the Cowboys as you do on the, the Ravens or the Commanders? Yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely not just for the uh, – for local teams, it's kind of all over. So, you know, the obviously the area where we're at, Baltimore and Washington, are going to be the most popular team. But, you know, surprisingly, um, it's actually a big Dallas area as well, which uh, I'm, myself, I'm I, a Dallas fan. I, so know, I know that's true. I, lo- it, I love to see it. Leon, I, I no, I, it, you can love to see it. I hate to see it, of course. You, <laughs> my, our, our friend Papa Kaz is wearing a Cowboys uh, shirt today, and she's all, you know, stop, shut up, Kaz. Uh, <laughs> We don't like that, but they're they're everywhere. You guys are, are rats, man. Like you're everywhere. We can't get rid of you. Uh, I got one prop that I have played already, Leon. Malik Willis to be selected in the top ten, and Desmond Ritter to be selected in the first round. That combo pays out at plus one ninety five. I think that Willis is actually the bigger risk of the two because I think a lot of us were working under the assumption that he was going to be the Panthers pick. And now it looks more like the Panthers could end up being the team for Baker Mayfield. And so if that's the case, they're not going to be spending a top 10 pick on a quarterback. So I'm a little bit more nervous about the Willis side of it today. I think Ritter's going to end up finding his way into the first round. What do you think about that combo of Malik Willis in the top 10, Desmond Ritter in the first round? Oh, I like it. I like it. Definitely getting some plus money there as well. Um, you know, you still have, there's still so many ways you can get plus money out of this draft um, if you're trying to build a parlay like that. So I'm, I'm definitely all for it. By the way, as you say that, like there are so many combination bets that are available for the NFL draft, man. Like it is like, these are just parlays. These aren't even like the parlays that you could build yourself within the NBA draft or the, I said the NBA, the NFL draft. 
they are these are ones that are already curated for you. I'll just throw out a couple. Three plus quarterbacks and six plus wide receivers taken in the first round. Minus one thirty five. Yeah. There's an assumption that's going to happen. I like the wide receiver side of it. I'm starting to Leon, I'm starting to get nervous about the quarterback thing. I I, <laughs> I just I think Kenny Pickett is like sort of the magical will he or won't he end up being in the first round? I'm nervous about that. Let me go a little bit further down. At at twenty three to one, specifically, you could parlay Malik Willis being drafted by the Falcons and Kenny Pickett being drafted by the Steelers at twenty three yeah. to one as a parlay. Twenty three to one there. It's um, I think it's a reach. I think it's a, I think there's a reason it's twenty. Leon, I think there's a reason why it's twenty three to one. I don't uh, I don't feel. I think Desmond Ritter actually is the guy for Pittsburgh. Um, the more I think about it, I think he's going to be their guy. But that's the type of stuff. Like there's so many of those that are available that my head's spinning, and they're all very delicious. Like Trayvon Walker to be a top three pick, and Jordan Davis to be a top 10 pick the two georgia guys you could combo that at plus 390 yep you're almost getting your four to one there that one that's a good one there. right like and now especially now that we think the trayvon walker has been going to be the number one guy what is the action been like since trayvon walker became the favorite to go number one overall which was over the weekend um have you seen like that bet heavy or are there still people that think that this is a smokescreen and that aiden hutchinson is going to be the guy so it hasn't been heavy yet, um, but I'm I'm sure as uh, as it gets closer, I think people are gonna gonna jump on that bandwagon there. Right. Um, but we haven't seen a lot yet. I so. feel like as as the odds move, right? Like people are like, oh, somebody's got to know something, right? <laughs> like, yeah. So right now it is uh, Trayvon Walker minus two hundred. So it's gone down even further. Minus 200 and Hutchinson plus 250. The one movement is that it really was did look like a two-horse race. Aika Kwanu has now slid back into 4-1. to one. So he is at least in the conversation still as far as betting is concerned in the FanDuel Sportsbook to be the number one overall pick. So uh, yeah. that that's what we need to know. Anything else we need to know about draft week, about what you can do? Anything else that we need to know before people head down there to bet the draft, Leon? You know, just utilize those uh, 61 kiosks that we have. Um, you know, there's just so many different markets that you can bet on. It'd just be so hard to go through those, you know, over over the radio now. But if you take your time and you just go through all those markets on the kiosk, you might find something you really might like. And who knows, you might be able to might be able to have a nice come up from it. There, you can bet by player, you can bet by team, you can bet. It's like looking at a giant spreadsheet, really, Leon, and doing yeah, all yeah. Of this. I see. It's I so when I there. when I got into this business, I was to understand there would be no math. So this is actually a little bit much for me uh, doing all of this. But there is so much available for you as far as betting the draft is concerned. Um, how about now? What has the action been like as far as betting the playoffs specifically? Uh, as you know, Leon, I'm a huge Suns fan, so I am. Um, I have sweat through every uh, article of clothing that I have owned since Devin Booker got hurt. Are you suddenly seeing a ton more money coming the Warriors' way? Yes, we definitely are seeing the Warriors uh, take some heavy action. Um, you know, surprisingly, last night we had a lot of people take action on on the Nets. Um, obviously, they didn't really? the way they thought it was going to. What is? But did they, did they not watch the first three games? <laughs> uh, you know, they they didn't think it was going to be a sweep, but uh, unfortunately, it was. So, yeah. you know, we people have hope. <laughs> has has the sweep changed the way people bet on the Celtics? Like they were not real, as we know, the Nets were the second favorite in the East coming in. 
um, have people suddenly started throwing more money the way of the Celtics just simply because of how good they looked in sweeping the nets? Yeah, yeah, we we saw some uh, we saw some heavy money come in on them last night, but we again we also saw very heavy money on the Nets as well. That's so wild. So you know, I was surprised because in the very beginning of the series, I mean, it, it wasn't even close. All the money was on the Nets at the very beginning of the series. All right, so um, you know, not even close. So let's update now for for out for championship futures betting. The Warriors are now the favorite at plus two ninety. The Celtics the second favorite. So I think that it, that shows you how significant it was them sweeping the Nets at plus 450. The Suns have dropped a third while they wait out Devin Booker because they could lose the Pelicans if they don't get Devin Booker back. They're at 5-1. to one. Then the Heat, then the Bucks. I'm going to give you the one, Leon, that's jumping off the page at me. And I don't think I like when I'm there on Thursday night, I've got the balls to bet them to win the, the NBA title. But I might throw a couple bucks in on them to win the West. That's yeah. the... Yeah. Dallas I mean, Mavericks. Dallas is Dallas is a solid team, man. Um, you know they they they're thirteen to one right now for a championship. But again, as you said, win the West, not a bad idea. Five to one to win the West at the moment. And the way I was talking about it with our buddy uh, Aaron Oster from out in Vegas, you don't ever get to see a team that gets to basically add another All Star caliber player as the playoffs get underway. But that's essentially what the Mavericks have done with the way that Jalen Brunson emerged as Luka Doncic got hurt. Jalen Brunson was a guy. And all of a sudden, Luka Doncic gets hurt. He's pressed into this role, and he plays like one of the best players in basketball. He's still there on top of Luka Doncic. You saw what that looked like last night. Holy F, I think they're still scoring points against the Jazz at the moment. I, I, don't, I think the Mavericks are a legitimate threat to win the West at this point. I agree 100% with you. Um, they look amazing last night. Well, my friend, you're going to walk me over one of them kiosks on Thursday night, and we're <laughs> going to put a couple of bucks in. That's the way that it's going to go. Uh, what else is on your radar? What else are people interested in this week? What else is going on? What else do people need to know about? So, you know, we uh, some of the prop bets for, for the playoffs that people are betting are the three-by-twos. Um, and if you don't know what the three-by-twos is, it's – Two plus three pointers in the first three minutes of the game, and people are loving it. Two. Wait a second. So th- say that one more time. It's two plus three pointers in the first of any game. Yes, of any game. Will there Ooh. be? It's a yes or no question. Basically, will there be two plus three play- pointers in the first three minutes of the game? People oh. are loving it. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, I love that's all anybody does anymore is shoot threes, right? Yeah. Like. Wow. I'm going to see what the schedule is going to look like for Thursday night because we don't know yet who's going to be playing and when, but um, <laughs> it's another one I think you can count on me making while I'm there, Leon. It's the immediacy of it, right? But Okay, yeah. you, you can make fun of me all you want, but I think I told you last week, I have bet Ukrainian ping pong, and people are <laughs> laughing at me, but it's the immediacy of the payoff. Like, these ping pong matches take like five minutes, <laughs> and so you make a bet, and you immediately get a payoff to it. And that's what makes that so enticing as a better. Nobody likes betting these futures bets because you got to wait forever. You forget that. I have so many NBA MVP bets, t- betting tickets that are out there that I might have gotten rid of my Nikola Jokic one at some point accidentally and held on to the wrong ones <laughs> because I've been holding on them for so long. The immediate payoff of the two three-pointers in the first minute bet is delicious as yeah. a better. That's what you're yeah, looking for. Well, people are hammering that right now. They're doing that. And also, when it comes to first basket, um, you know, you can 
obviously choose who the first uh, basket is yeah. going to be, like what the player is going to be, but we also have the method of first baskets. And that's another very popular one. Um, you can choose a player and whether they're going to have a dunk, free throw, layup, um, or any other type of uh, field goal. There. I'm, I'm so guessing. It, I'm guessing that mid-range jumper is not does not get you very good or or, or would get you incredible odds because it's never going to pay off for the first basket of the game. There's, <laughs> it's like Chris Paul and no one else that might be the guy that would hit the mid-range jumper to start a game. That's about right. the list. <laughs> Uh, it's great stuff, man. Leon, uh, I'm looking forward to it. We will be there Thursday night. It's going to be an exciting night, a great atmosphere with the draft as well as some playoff games going on. Can't wait to be back in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Appreciate you as always, my friend. We'll talk to you next week, all right? All right. I'll talk to you then. I'll see you this week as well. It's Leon Twyman, the assistant GM of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. And, again, we will be there on Thursday night. For the NFL Draft, myself, the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, Great Eights memorabilia will be hanging out with us, giving away some incredible autographed gear. Gonna be a great night. Yes? What What, what do you like better, betting on Ukrainian uh, table tennis or the idea of the two plus three I really pointers? do like that. But I still think I like Ukrainian table tennis better, if I'm being honest with you, Paul. It's, hard. it's really hard to get any information, though. It's <laughs> really hard. So what you're basically trusting is that the odds are legitimate. Mm -hmm. going in and that the people that are setting the odds know what they're talking about and so i'm not going to lie to you i'm just basically betting favorites right like that's all i'm really doing Mm -hmm. i might look at a match as it started live and see if maybe a favorite by losing a like the first set has been bet down to a place where i'm like huh that's interesting and then i'll throw a couple of bucks that way i it's just the quickness of it like you look up and you're like holy crap it's over it's over. The entirety of the ping pong match. They play sets to 11, and you have to win three sets in order to win the match. And even them at that level where they have real rallies and, like, this does not look like ping pong over at, say, like, you know, hat top. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this is a real thing. I'm telling you, it still does not take all that long. I have definitely done that. Okay, so I was given blood yesterday at uh, Stevenson uh, supporting uh, Matty Strong, that initiative. And... I I as I was sitting on the thing giving blood, I won three ping pong games. <laughs> as I, I was I, I'm sitting, bored. What, should, what should I do? Play exactly what, No, I'm gonna I, bet Ukraine. What else was I gonna tennis. do? Well, I made some money. <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> I won three ping pong bets. Make fun of me all you want. Make fun of me all you want. Now, my biggest loss from this past week was also on a ping pong bet. It was also it was uh, I had a, now it was a mistake that I made, but my biggest loss I made. This is the danger when you're when you're like bored and you're betting on your phone, which we can't do yet in the state of Maryland. And I bet through the FanDuel Sportsbook. But you, if hypothetically you could do that, right? Hypothetically speaking, mm. the danger of it is that you hit the wrong button and you don't notice. Now that paid off for me once because one of the bets that I put in on that Suns Pelicans game when Devin Booker got hurt, I accidentally put on the Pelicans, and I did not mean to. I assure you, but it won me like five hundred dollars. <laughs> Now, I also accidentally put in an extra digit in the amount of money that I was betting on a ping pong match over the weekend, and my loss was significant. It was a significant number. Now, Mm. again, because I do this for entertainment reasons, like none of this is actually, I have put in $1 amount ever for betting in this particular account, 
And it's just entertainment after that. Mm -hmm. So it's fine. I lost a lot, but I had a lot to lose in the account. And so I just go back. I go right back to work afterwards is the way that it goes. But there's nothing you can do. It's on you. You're supposed to. You got to double check. You got the chance to double check before you put it in. I didn't. I put in. I wanted to put in a three-figure bet. I put in a four-figure bet on a ping pong match that I lost. It was an unpleasant. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, that it um, definitely. I I took a I took a day off afterwards. I regrouped. I said eh, I'm gonna chill out for a little while. That that was a mistake. Anyway, um, these things happen. That is go. um that's a perfect lead-in. Yes. to our tidbit. Yes, tidbit of the week. That is a perfect lead-in. This tidbit this week comes from a tweet. From at Buffalo Bob Z. That I, love, Darren, I love Buffalo Bob. His name is Oreo Speedwagon. Okay, I think I like him. All right, tonight I meant to place a $2.50 what? bet. What does Elon Musk think is wrong with this app? It's perfect. <laughs> Oreo Speedwagon's out here doing Buffalo Bob stuff. It's How could Elon Musk improve that? <laughs> well, by the way, uh, a reminder, he paid $44 billion for that. Yep. <laughs> for for. Oreo Speedwagon. He paid $44 billion for Oreo Speedwagon. Glenn places bets on Ukrainian table tennis when he's hey, bored. Elon Musk spends not, $44 not billion 44 on billion. I've never bet that on a Ukrainian ping pong match. All right. So uh, this from a from at Buffalo Bob or our good friend Oreo Speedwagon. April tw- at Buffalo we are, Bob. We are Z, good friends. April 21st. Tonight I meant to place a $2.50 bet yeah. on the Sabres winning. And Kyle, forgive me on this name, Akpaso? Uh, scoring, for, he's an NHL player. Uh, I, Kyle, not one I'm familiar Akpaso with. Akpaso scoring first. Instead, because I'm old, I accidentally placed a $250 bet on the Sabres winning and Kyle Akpaso scoring the first goal. Tonight is a very, very, very good night. It was Kyle Akpaso to score first and Buffalo Sabres to win in 60 minutes, so in regulation, at plus 4,000 odds. His $250 bet won him $10,250, one hell of a mistake. Sometimes you make good mistakes. I've told people I bet a Swiss soccer match once where I similarly made a mistake, and it was one I was given a tip. I was given a tip about a Zurich soccer match. Where they were like the, the the odds aren't right. Not Gaelic soccer. Not Gaelic soccer. Not second division Gaelic football. This was a a Swiss soccer match involving Club Zurich, I believe they're called. And what I was told was, hey, these odds are wrong. Like Zurich should be a significantly bigger favorite than this. Like this should be this this club that they're playing against is they stink. H- hammer this. So I very similar situation. I went to put like. 250 down but I accidentally I hit like I hit I don't know somehow I hit like 850 was the number and I was like oh my god but paid off paid off well so sometimes they work for you sometimes you work against you again if you got a problem seek seek you know call 1-800-GAMBLER if you're just doing it for entertainment and for fun you can live when mistakes happen. Like, even if you lose a lot of money on a Ukrainian ping pong match, you're doing it for entertainment reasons. This is not money that was going to my children. This was not going to pay my bills for the week. This is a different thing altogether. So life will go on. If you're betting, bet for those reasons. Don't don't, don't bet for other reasons. All right, very good. Thanks to Aaron Oster. Thanks to Leon Twyman. Uh, no weekend at bookies this week. That'll be back next week. Our next betting show will be next Tuesday night. But again, don't forget, come join us in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel this 
Thursday evening. Uh, we will see you there for the NFL draft. For Paul and for Cass, this has been Simply the Bets. May the odds be ever in your favor.